This is Jocko Podcast number 297 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. I was walking through Washington Square when a puff of smoke issuing from the factory building caught my eye. I reached the building before the alarm was turned in. I saw every feature of the tragedy visible from outside the building. I learned a new sound. A more horrible sound than description can picture. It was the thud of a speeding, living body on a stone sidewalk. Thud. Dead. Thud. Dead. Thud. Dead. 62. Thud. Deads. I call them that because the sound and the thought of death came to me each time at the same instant. There was plenty of chance to watch them as they came down. The height was 80 feet. The first 10 thud deads shocked me. I looked up, saw that there were scores of girls at the windows. The flames from the floor below were beating in their faces. Somehow I knew that they too must come down. And something within me, something that I didn't know was there, steeled me. I even watched one girl falling, waving her arms, trying to keep her body upright until the very instant she struck the sidewalk. She was trying to balance herself. Then came the thud. A silent, unmoving pile of clothing and twisted, broken limbs. As I reached the scene of the fire, a cloud of smoke hung over the building. I looked up to the seventh floor. There was a living picture in each window, four screaming heads of girls waving their arms. Call the firemen, they screamed, scores of them. Get a ladder, cried others. They were all as alive and whole and sound as were we who stood on the sidewalk. I couldn't help thinking of that. We cried to them not to jump. We heard the siren of a fire engine in the distance. The others, the other sirens sounded from several directions. Here they come, we yelled. Don't jump. Stay there. One girl climbed out on the window sash. Those behind her tried to hold her back. Then she dropped into space. I didn't notice whether those above watched her drop because I had turned away. Then came that first thud. I looked up. Another girl was climbing onto the windowsill. Others were crowding behind her. She dropped. I watched her fall. Again, the dreadful sound. Two windows away, two girls were climbing onto the sill. They were fighting each other and crowding for air. Behind them, I saw many screaming heads. They almost fell together, but I heard two distinct thuds. Then the flames burst out of the windows on the floor below them and curled up into their faces. 
the firemen began to raise a ladder others took out a life net and while they were rushing to the sidewalk with it two more girls shot down the firemen held it under them the bodies broke it the grotesque simile of a dog jumping through a hoop struck me before they could move the net another girl's body flashed through it the thuds were just as loud it seemed as if there had been no net there it seemed to me that the thuds were so loud that they might have been heard all over the city I had counted ten then my dulled senses began to work automatically I noticed things that it had not occurred to me before to notice little details that the first shock had blinded me to I looked up to see whether those above watched those who fell I noticed that they did they watched them every inch of the way down and probably heard the roaring thuds that we heard as I looked up I saw a love affair in the midst of all the horror a young man helped a girl to the windowsill then he held her out deliberately away from the building and let her drop he seemed cool and calculating he held out a second girl the same way and let her drop then he held out a third girl who did not resist I noticed that they were as unresisting as if he were helping them onto a streetcar instead of into eternity undoubtedly he saw that a terrible death awaited them in the flames and his was only a terrible chivalry then came the love amid the flames he brought another girl to the window those of us who were looking saw her put her arms about him and kiss him then he held her out into space and dropped her but quick as a flash he was on the windowsill himself his coat fluttered upward the air filled his trouser legs I could see that he wore tan shoes and hose his hat remained on his head thud dead thud dead together they went into eternity I saw his face before they covered it you could see in it that he was a real man he had done his best we found out later that in the room which he stood many girls were being burned to death by the flames and were screaming in an inferno of flame and heat he chose the easiest way and was brave enough to even help the girl he loved to a quicker death after she had given him a goodbye kiss he leaped with an energy as if to arrive first in that mysterious land of eternity but her thud dead came first the fireman raised the longest ladder it reached only to the sixth floor I saw the last girl jump and miss it 
and then the faces disappeared from the window. But now the crowd was enormous. Though all this had occurred in less than seven minutes, the start of the fire and the thuds and the deaths, I heard screams around the corner and hurried there. What I had seen before was not so terrible as what followed. Up in the ninth floor, girls were burning to death before our very eyes. They were jammed in the windows. No one was lucky enough to be able to jump, it seemed. But one by one, the jams broke. Down came the bodies in a shower, burning, smoking, flaming bodies with disheveled hair trailing upward. They had fought each other to die by jumping instead of fire. The whole sound. Unharmed girls who had jumped on the other side of the building had tried to fall feet down. But these fire tortures, suffering ones, fell inertly, only intent that death should come to them on the sidewalk instead of in the furnace behind them. On the sidewalk lay heaps of broken bodies. A policeman later went about with tags which he fastened with wires to the wrists of the dead girls, numbering each with a lead pencil. And I saw him fasten tag number 54 to the wrist of a girl who wore an engagement ring. A fireman who came down the stairs from the building told me that there were at least 50 bodies in the big room on the seventh floor. Another fireman told me that more girls had jumped down the air shaft at the rear of the building. I went back there into the narrow court and saw heaps of dead girls. The floods of water from the fireman's hose that ran into the gutter were actually stained red with blood. I looked upon the heap of dead bodies, and I remembered these girls were shirtwaist makers. I remembered their great strike of last year, in which these same girls had demanded more sanitary conditions and more safety precautions in the shops. These dead bodies were the answer. And that is an article, first-person account, obviously, about the nightmare of a fire at the Triangle Shirtwaist Company in Greenwich Village, New York City. And the story came from United Press reporter William Shepard, who happened to be there. Just watching the disaster unfold and who phoned in the details to a young newspaper employee by the name of Roy Howard who telegraphed the story to the nation's newspapers. And that article was first published in the Milwaukee Journal, March 27, 1911. And the fire killed 146 garment workers. 123 women, 23 men. The oldest victim was 43 years old, the youngest 14 years old. Many were recent Italian or Jewish immigrants. 
and part of the reason that they were up there even as this fire consumed the building is that many of the doors to the stairwells and the exit doors in the factory were locked shut in order to prevent workers from taking unauthorized breaks or to stop them from maybe stealing some of the goods that they were making just a complete nightmare and we try and find some some good in that story if there is any to be found it's that that fire led to eventual improvements of safety standards in these types of factories and this singular event was a catalyst for massive growth growth of the International Ladies Garment Workers Union and that union got together and fought and were successful in improving working conditions in these types of swept shops and over time in America these conditions did improve and this is also a story of the incredible sacrifices that American workers have made over time to build this great country and to build our great economy and if you look universally you can see improvements in the conditions that people work in in America but we have to remember that there are other areas of the world that have not made any of these improvements and much of the labor conditions overseas especially when it comes to the garment industry is the conditions are still brutal there's a group called anti-slavery international and they report that about a fifth of the cotton production in the world can be linked to forced labor for example much of the forced labor in china those are ethnic Uyghurs those are the those are the slaves over in China no safety training no safety protocol exposure to harmful chemical bad air extreme work hours 9 to 12 hours a day 6 days a week it's bad conditions that are illegal in this country but it's the standard overseas in many places and why am I talking about this because well because we have been trying to do something about it and we actually have been doing something about it for a few years who's we it's well it's myself and the rest of the incredible team including the team that actually works the machines at Origin USA, incredible group that gets this work done and takes pride in this work. And the team at Origin USA and Jocko Fuel is who's making a difference right now. And that includes my main partner in these two endeavors. Peter Roberts and he is here once again to get us up to date on this fight this fight 
to improve the condition of manufacturing and bring it back to America where we have a positive work environment. We have a good work environment. We have a work environment where when you walk the floors, you have people with pride and smiles on their faces in the job that they're doing. So, Pete, thanks for coming back, man. Um, it's been a while. If happy, you, to, happy to be back. It's been way too long. <laughs> well, if you haven't listened to, so you, you first came on the podcast, was Podcast 93. You were on Podcast 93, Podcast 141, Podcast 94. Those are about a year apart each. September 2017, September 2018, September 2019 is when they came out. We recorded them all in late August, which is right now, late August 2021. We're recording this. We, we've recorded all of them at the Origin Jiu-Jitsu Camp, Immersion Camp up here in Maine. And we didn't record last year at all because it was the year of COVID 2020. And so we didn't do camp. Yep. Did I, did I come up? What I came up one time in 2020 for some reason. Didn't I? I don't think, I don't think so. Was no, it you zero? No, because you would have seen the expanded facilities. Oh, that's right. So, I came out and saw you in Montana. That's what and I, I came out and saw you in California just at the beginning, March of, of 2020, for the Vitamin Shop launch. I must have come out right before COVID hit because I remember being up here in the winter because we were walking through the snow. Yeah, that's right. We were walking <laughs> right through down, the downtown. Right down High Street, yeah. right? And yeah, so I knew I must have been right before COVID. It hit. must have been, yeah. Um, but if you haven't listened to those podcasts, if you want to know why Pete's here, if you want to know how we ended up, joining forces and doing what we're doing go back and listen to 93 141 then 194 if you've listened to those if you've been tracking if you've heard any of uh, echo charles yes talking about various various gear to purchase sure. oh, yeah. <laughs> then this is what we've been talking about so you probably yeah. are somewhat aware of the situation that's going on um but a lot has happened in the last two years since we did a podcast and just wanted to talk bring you on talk about what we've been doing the progress we've made the setbacks we've had the lessons that we've learned and where we're planning to go from here i mean what's when you think about 2021 and i mean 2020 and everyone you know big negative on 2020 everyone hated it etc all kinds of issues but heading into 2020 coming out of 2019 we had a ton of really positive momentum a lot of positive growth things were kind of on a, a really solid track trajectory was looking outstanding and so that was we were in a pretty good place now we also had some we also had some missteps i know you like to call them tuition payments yes <laughs> we did make some tuition payments last we, time last time i was on i filled you in on the jeans tuition payment <laughs> remember we did that real time yep. what was it? had to make like 500 pairs of jeans before we got them right yep that grew a little bit. We have been, we have been struggling with, uh, and, and we paid some tuition payments on milk bars. We did, and <laughs> you know, actually, when you were when you were reading that, I couldn't stop, but you know, I couldn't help but think about my my great yaya, and she was an immigrant from from Sparta, Greece. 
So Yaya is Greek, Greek for, for is that just like your personal nickname or is that everybody? No, everybody that's Greek has it. You call him Yaya. You can't just throwing out Yaya around here. Yeah, no. We are <laughs> she, American. <laughs> she lived to uh, she lived to a hundred and, and five. So my my kids got to meet her. Um, is I that the a, aunt of? That's the mother of my aunt Kay, who just oh. turned ninety. You sent that video yeah. to. No, your mom's in the your. Your great aunt? Yes. She's in the game. Oh, yeah, she's in the game. She freaking loves you. She's like, oh, she's listening to this podcast right now. She's like, oh, if I ever get to meet Jock, I've (laughs) got to put that makeup on. I got to make sure I look good. Yeah, she just turned 90. And so she um, has trusted me with, uh, it's really with a crocheted blanket that my my great Yaya was like a Lowell Mill girl. So she worked in these mills you speak of uh, as an immigrant in the very early 1900s. In Lowell, Massachusetts, and she used this to. Is, this story took place in 1911. Exactly, and that's I was thinking about this the whole time. She used to pick up the Skinners, like the little bit of yarn, and she'd she'd take it home with her, and she'd she'd crochet and make blankets and stuff. And, so you uh, have one of those blankets have it in my office. Dang. Yeah, I got it. Jeez, uh, I think it might have been been during last year. At some point, she she shipped it up to me. She'd been tr- trying to figure out who she should give it to and trust it to, basically. Then so. she saw that you had a freaking Fact. loom. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> I got to like, send it up. This is the guy. So I've got it. I've got it up in there. What a what an incredible thread of personal history. Yeah, I'm gonna frame it at some point when we build a massive new factory. It'll be hanging in the front lobby. That's 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 like incredible. So that story is that's Yaya could have been. Exactly. That's what I was thinking about. Like, the working conditions, of course, have improved since then. But it, it, when people ask me, like, why why would someone want to work in a factory? I think about well, you know, I I, I talk about my grandparents and great grandparents who all worked in factories, tanneries, and mills, and they always said to their kids, our parents, the baby boomers, don't work in the factories but they always romanticized about working in the factories. Mm. And I never could figure out why did, why did they romanticize about it and always reflect on it, but then tell their kids not to do it. I didn't understand until right now. Mm. That's why. Because the generation before them, their parents were dealing with shit like that. Yeah. You know, just terrible working conditions, hot, bare feet. The woman up in Lewiston, Maine, Rachel DeGrosier, she told me a story about the Bates Mill in Lewiston where we got our first loom from. And she said one of the girls used to run up the hill for her shift and her sister would run down the hill and she'd pass her shoes off and then she'd come down into the mill and work. And it was just survival. Yeah, so not only was it hard work, but you didn't have enough money to buy a pair of shoes. Exactly. And what's really interesting about this is, like we were up at the factory the other day, at the boot plant. Pretty awesome, isn't it? And Andy was telling a story. Andy, who oversees all that production. Yeah. He was telling a story that the first step in getting a pair of boots produced is a tag gets printed out. So an order comes in, mm-hmm. that order gets printed out. And Andy's all about efficiency. And the orders would have the the human being's name on it that ordered it. So if Echo Charles ordered a pair of boots, it would say Echo Charles, size 11, bison, this sole, whatever. Give, and then everyone knows what to make. And he just, you know, to save ink or whatever. Just took it off. And, and make that tag a little bit smaller. Say, oh, we don't need to know the person's name. Why is that important? And the, and the workers said, hey, what are you doing? 
We want to know who we're making this. We want to know who Jim Smith. We want to know that we're making Jim Smith's boots. And that shows you what their mindset is, yeah. right? The mindset is that they're personally connected. They, they're, they're personally engaged in making the product a quality product. They want to know who, who by name who it's going to. You know, the thing is, is after, like after, you know, the whole national shutdown last year and we pivoted and I'm sure we'll talk about pivoting to making some face coverings. But then we came back to the footwear plant. We dealt with some major issues getting back into production. It just wasn't running smooth. And it almost like there was, uh, at that point, a lot of people at home, they're collecting, you know, the the uh, additional unemployment, yeah, additional employment money. They didn't have to be at work, whatever. And so I said, time out. And I talked to Andy and I said, we need to get them more engaged. I said, so we're going to shut down production for a whole day. They're going to pick their leather, the team here, and they're going to make boots for each other. They can make them for themselves or they can make them for a loved one. And I want to see what happens. Well, guess what happened? Every single boot off the line was a first quality boot. And so it was kind of a flank. I, I gathered them all up at the end of the day. They have huge smiles on their faces. And I said, what would you guys think about that? And they're like, that was awesome. I said, you made footwear for each other. And they're like, yeah. And I said, and you injected soul into it because you cared. They're like, yeah, and I said, and that's what we need to do for every customer. And now every every name on there, and you know, when Andy stripped it off, like, put that name back on. If we're gonna inject soul into this thing, we need to know there's a there's a real human behind it. So, yeah, yeah. you know what? You are making boots for each other, right? Yeah, and now you're gonna make boots for America. Exactly. In <laughs> <laughs> in production production improved and uh, quality improved, and yeah, man, it was phenomenal. Little little team building flank i guess you could say yeah that's awesome what prior to covid hitting though we we got hit like we made some missteps on milk bars so yeah. little background is we want to make milk bars right protein bars good for you i have probably ridiculously high standards of what i want them to be and i just want to eat a damn candy bar yeah you want to eat a candy bar well and i also have high standards that i want it to taste like a candy bar but i don't want to use any sugar sure. want to have a certain amount of protein in it want it to be natural so it's a really tough thing to do and we kept trying to crack this formula mm. and probably probably the biggest mistake we made i would say is we bought a bunch we we kind of settled on a bar we did. That was hella good, oh, as yeah. they say in California. <laughs> this thing was hella good. It kind of tasted like a Reese's peanut butter cup, um, but it was bigger, and it was <laughs> had no sugar in it, and it was covered in thick chocolate. I mean, it was redonkulous, man. Yeah, it, was it was good, good to go. So we thought, okay, this is it. And but the problem was, it was. It was really difficult to make, and a bunch of bar producers around the country wouldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Can't do it. Won't do it. Couldn't stand behind it. So of course, what did we do? We'll just do it ourselves. Hundred percent. Invest in the machinery. Get it done. And there is there is a there. Being naive is definitely a superpower, but being ignorant and arrogant is definitely not <laughs> there's a balance that sometimes the line gets crossed well you know we've been on such a solid run the line did get crossed and when that thing went off to shelf live testing it didn't work mm -hmm. 
And, and basically, if I tried to sum this up, we were doing a process called extruding, yeah. which means you squeeze out this tasty, like the peanut butter cup part, that middle part, Yeah, you squeeze that out through a machine and it kind of just plops Like a spaghetti out. extruder. Yeah. yeah. Well, the problem was when you do that, you squeeze out a lot of the, the natural fluid inside yeah, of it. The oils. The it. oils get squeezed out. And so when you put it on the shelf for the shelf life test, after whatever, two, three months, which is how long it needs to taste good for. It actually needs to taste longer for that. Yeah, but well, yeah. as soon as we got to two, three months, it was like, hey, this doesn't taste the same. This yeah. is dry. Wait a second. You're, this isn't working. You're refurbishing those old mills because it turned into a brick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was not. It was not good. So we, uh, I just actually told Joe on, on Friday before camp, I said, hey, man, let's get this equipment on pallets and get it wrapped. And, uh make make way for some other things so it was a tuition payment that we learned from and because of that we we recruited we hired and recruited a food scientist that came in from arizona um another food scientist who serves for quality it was kind of a point where looking at the organizational structure as we're growing was like we've got to have the right people in the right places if we're going to start doing shit like this. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been we've been shotgunning it for so long and just uh, just grinding it out. That really was a defining moment in how we need to start thinking. We we got stores ready to buy this. We got, well, I mean, vitamin shop. They're like, when are the bars coming? When are the bar? I mean, they're ready to place a purchase yeah. order for these things. Imagine if we had just done it and sent it out and. All of it like molded or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, even I mean, if it didn't mold, even if it just tasted even dry. Even if it just tasted dry or just yeah, crumbled, it would have been bad. The, so. the latest version, because we're still on the Oh, we're still on it. Yeah, there's yeah. One, the, the latest version that I had was freaking legit. <laughs> and it's weird because it's like a bar, but it tastes like a, a relatively dense brownie. <laughs> it tastes like a dense like moist brownie. When you say it, it sounds better. It, bro, no, I'm saying, and then it's coated with chocolate. Yeah. It's freaking nuts. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. And we're ready to go, but we've slowed down to speed up. Yeah. Just making sure we get it right this time. Yeah, because we got people that we are waiting on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Myself included. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one is freaking good. All right, so we hit the milk bar. It took us a while. We learned some lessons there. Um, little too aggressive. Little too little too arrogant on what we what we thought we could get away with and what we thought we knew. And you know what? That's it, we've also succeeded with that a bunch, you know. You're going to take some losses. Yeah. You know, you go out you take risks, a lot of risks. We've taken a lot of risks along the way. Everyone's once while you're going to get an L up on the board. <laughs> What's a big L? Oh, man. Are we going to sell that equipment? What are we going to do with it? Or are we just going to Yeah, we'll probably sell it? it. We'll probably sell it. We're going to have to sell it. Mm. That's going to be a loss. Yeah, pennies on the dollar. Mm. Anyone need an extruder out there? <laughs> extruder. <laughs> yeah, the, the packaging machine is the big one. Uh, yeah, a beautiful packaging machine. All right. So if anyone's looking for that, let us know. We got some. We got some stuff. <laughs> we should just talk about the other tuition payment then. Which other one? The uh, the the can tuition payment. Yeah. Well, that was in the middle of COVID. Yes, right? it was. Before we get there, before we get there, let's talk about when COVID hit because we made a we made a freaking legit pivot pivot. Uh, I'll tell you my recollection. Um, two months. Before COVID hit America. Yep. 
I had three or four friends, a couple SEALs, maybe like a SEAL, doctor, medic, someone else, sent me, you know, text, email, whatever, saying like, hey, dude, you should make masks. And you and I had a very quick discussion. I said, hey, man, we, there's this thing going on overseas. And what I was thinking is we'd ship them overseas. That was the conversation that I had with my friends. It was like all of them were saying, hey, they're going to need these masks. And you pulled up a couple examples of N95 masks because that was kind of what was being asked for. So now it was, all right, well, you, you said to me, hey, we'd have to like tool up for it. We got to buy these machinery. We were already kind of paranoid about buying more machinery that we could freaking <laughs> quest. We have to go sell later. And you just looked at it like, hey, man, this is probably a no-go. It's going to be an investment by machinery to make these masks. And I said, ah, cool. All right, Roger. You know, no factor. And then, and then COVID started. Well, now you fast forward a couple months. And we could check emails. I, I think I was maybe two months ahead of it. You had a, you, I thought you got a call from like a friend of the Department of Defense or something. That happened a little later. Okay. So then as it started ramping up in America, well, that was probably, yeah, you're right. That was probably one. Of, I got a call from the DOD, a friend from the DOD, a friend that's a doctor, a friend that's a SEAL medic overseas, and like someone else. So there was, there was definitely a triangulation that I should have paid attention to. Um, and I did, you know, and talked to you about it. But, you know, sometimes you just look at something and you think that's, a, that's probably not not the best move. And that's what you said. You were like, hey man, we'd have to buy this plastic. It probably was, I think it might've been called an extruder. I was like, no more extruders. We're not doing it, man. Forget about it. So we, we said no. But then, so COVID then starts hitting America. And then I had another conversation with you because now you started hearing people start, started talking about masks, right? Oh, you should wear Anything. a mask. Cut up a t-shirt, put it around your face. Yeah, so, the, and I forget the pattern that happened here, but I do remember I said, Bro, we just need to make something to put over your face. And then you were like, okay. And then I, this is when we were in lockdown. Now we're in like in lockdown. Yeah. So I, I actually had to get a uh, cable news because I didn't have cable news, but I wanted to see what the hell was going on. So now I'm watching freaking uh, Fauci and he's like, uh, don't wear masks. They don't help. And then I text you or call you like, hey, dude, they're saying masks aren't doing anything to forget it. And you're like, okay, cool. And then the next week, it was like five days later. It might have been Monday to Friday because it was Friday that I was like, hey, bro, they're saying you have to wear something over your face. Let's go. And you're like on it. And then you designed them over that weekend. That was a Friday by Monday. Designed on Friday. Had the team come in, move all the machines around. And we started cutting and sewing, shut down all the divisions. We had we had sat down in my office, myself and in Don, our CFO, and talked about what happens if like things get crazy. What happens if things get crazy? What happens if if supply chains shut down? How does that gonna affect what we're doing? And the last thing you know you want to do is get caught in the chaos of supply chains. And I remember we sat down and we actually looked at our projections for the year and we started cutting 10%, 20%, 30%. We cut all the way up to 70% of our projections out. To, and then we found a way to continue to, to survive. Yeah, survival. Survival. And then... Yeah, because by the way, now all of a sudden, every jiu-jitsu school in America shut, shut down. down. Exactly. And we knew... 50, Which was crazy. 52% of our business for Origin is is martial arts. 
is jujitsu is geese. It's a crazy statistic. Fifty two percent. And we're like, this is gonna it's gonna shut down and we're gonna lose hardcore. So we we found out that like it was seventy percent we could afford to lose. We figured out how we could lean things out and ultimately that Friday pivot, we were the first ones in America to make face coverings, mm-hmm. really. And it was cool cool design. We I mean I mean, we made what a quarter of a million, maybe over a quarter of a million of them. The factory came together, and it was honestly, it was the most beautiful thing we've done as a team. <laughs> it was really inspiring. It was like a freaking beehive when you walked in that place in the morning, ripping out ten thousand a day. Yeah, you on were Sundays. sending me texts. Where you know at lunchtime you'd be like, "We're at three thousand nine hundred and seventy. Oh yeah, <laughs> we are getting it on. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. Uh, it was. It was crazy, you know. And and I mean, it it went. It went fast. It was six, seven days a week, working long days. We had the fire departments in in the hospital. We we decided to pivot and we took the collar foam from the gi, like the whole collar, oh, yeah, and we right. took Made that. Face we, shields. Yeah, we we got we ordered bulk. Um, lamination paper. We had we had five laminators set up, and you just put the lamination paper in the laminators. Then we took those, and then we just stitched a piece of gee collar on them, and put a piece of underwear elastic band on from our tights, and filling up boxes and sending those to the hospital so they had face face shields. You know, it was it was phenomenal to be part of just that. What I felt like was almost a wartime effort. There was this well, sense of nobody knew what was going to happen. Yeah, no, I was going to say in the early days. There, you know, now you can look at it and be like, "Well, mask, no mask." Yeah, well, yeah, it's like, yeah. but at that time, it was like uh, everybody's on the same page. Everybody's on the same page. Yeah. You need to wear something over your face, or else you catch this stuff. Yeah. Right? Everyone was saying that. And yeah. in the hospitals, they didn't have it, and first responders didn't have it. No. So we were donating thousands of these oh, things yeah. to first responders, donating stuff to hospitals, and and people were buying it as well because now companies needed to keep their employees coming in if they were in business that was what did they call the critical need or what was the essential worker. essential worker they needed to supply masks to their people so they started ordering it was freaking crazy I had one guy he was on the fire department he drove up to the factory and he parked outside and we like transferred some face coverings to him and he had he he was in the back of his truck. And he like had the hatch open. Dude, this was like Black Plague. This it is was when, wild. This is when people. It was, <laughs> it was Black was Plague time. The guy, I remember that the guys like the back stuff. You yes. sending me a video. You're like, we're doing a test with this stuff right now. We're coming in. I'm like, dude, this is freaking crazy. It was crazy. He's got like this little smoke puffer thing yeah. to figure out how much smoke goes through it, mm. like to see if the virus can get through. I mean, it was. It was wild. It was I was, wild. and I'll tell you what. I've always been into like post-apocalyptic movies. <laughs> you know, out your childhood fantasy, I was, bro. I was like, I'm having, I'm having so much fun right now just doing this. I mean, obviously that was short-lived. It became really uh, annoying to not be doing what we'd love to do, you know, and be stuck in lockdown and all that bullshit. But, um, but we got through it. Yeah, and 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 so this thing going from making jujitsu because you. Ended up shutting down Everything. all lines, all lines, all lines, just to make face, face shields, coverings. Face, face coverings. coverings. That's what we were doing. Face shields and face coverings. We shut down one line at a time over the course of uh, maybe five to eight days, I think, including the boot. I room. remember, I remember you and I'd be talking, and you'd be like, 
bro, you'd be like, what do you think? How much material should we use? How much material? And how many do you think we're going to sell? And you know, you and I are just literally throwing our best guess and betting hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of material yeah. on how long this is going to last. Because because it what didn't take, you know, you fast forward from Black Plague Day, yeah. whatever that was, when it just everyone thought. And then you fast forward a few weeks. And I remember saying, hey, man, this mask thing, it ain't it ain't going to stick. Like there's start there's other other reports are coming out, and again, at the time you're just trying to do the best best judgment that you can use. But it seemed to me like, hey, this is gonna this is gonna fade, and I mean, obviously the mask thing didn't fade. No. But what happened was other manufacturers sort of started getting in the game and ordering stuff from overseas, and then they're mass producing it, and then it's like, okay, so now the market was completely saturated and flooded. So we kind of owned the market for oh, yeah. well, how many months? months. It was months. Three months? I think it was longer than that. We were we were ripping. Owned it, the we market. Went through, we went through every bit of fabric. We had warp wick, our compression apparel. We went through all of our denim. Like we went, we didn't make any out of, we uh, gi, our gi pants material, our twill. That's right. We, made, we, we went through all of, all of our fabric. And the crazy thing was, and it was kind of a, a blessing in disguise too, in the background, shit started to fall apart in our supply chain starting with our tannery in maine where we were tanning all of our leather for the boots it's it was it was a tasman tannery and i remember them calling me like maybe four five six months in saying i don't think we're going to survive and i'm i'm thinking holy holy shit like this tannery the last tannery in the state of maine that's been around for 100 years they don't think they're going to survive. I started to think about our other supply chains. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting on the phone with someone from the federal government. And he said to me, there's three tanneries in the United States of America that can make the boots for America's military. It's going to kill us if this tannery shuts down. And so he, he was going to fund, partially fund us purchasing this tannery. I got on the phone with Norm Tasman the head of the Tasman family. I'm talking to this guy down in Texas about how to keep this thing alive. Ultimately, it was an elephant we just, you know, we, we didn't want to take down. And Yeah, well, you and I were having, con- that's another like a million dollars of conversation you and I are yeah. having about do we go, do we do what, what, yeah. you know we, we break open the coffers <laughs> what are we gonna do you want to roll and it's like <laughs> I think I said no I was just I think I remember calling you like bro I I don't think we should do this you went to it oh yeah you went to it yep and you called me on the way home and you're like bro I just this is a this is this is a you didn't call it a lemon but you were like this is a lot this is a lot there's a lot that needs to be done. There's a lot of management and leadership that would need to take place. You were basically saying you would have to surrender other fronts that yeah. we're trying to fight on yep. in order to make this happen. Yep. And it was just a no-go. And so because of that, I started getting a hold of all of our suppliers and seeing where they were at. And everybody started having the same story. Can't get labor, can't make the product. No one's standing at looms, no one in the dye houses no one injecting souls for boots and it started to get pretty shady from that perspective so just managing really managing that whole year from a supply chain perspective 
when to slow down on the face covering thing, how to pivot back up. And that whole time we lost our denim weaver. I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. We couldn't weave denim anymore. And we had the... Uh, Real quick, I think where we got lucky, I got lucky because I was saying, hey, bro, they're not going to make people wear masks much longer. That ain't going to happen. And so we started to taper. And when we started to taper, they kept making people wear masks. But we got lucky in that so many other people now came on the market and started making them and bringing them in from overseas. You know, however long it took them to go to China and say, hey, we need these things. And it took them time to run the cycle, bake them, and then ship them over here. By the time they actually showed up here, we were already in the down swing yeah. of making masks. So we got we lucky in the fact. Because I was thinking, it didn't seem it didn't seem possible that we that America would still be wearing masks after because it didn't take long for people to say, oh, it's actually only ten percent effective and seven. And then you had the people showing the, you know, the videos with the like that smoke stuff coming out and being like, yeah, this is, you know, again, couldn't know the future. But we, I think that was a stroke of luck. The fact that we, because otherwise we would have been sitting on, you know, however many. We were doing it week by week. <laughs> I remember you're like, what do you think, 30,000 more, 50,000 more? Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm like, ah, let's do a half a week more, yeah. you know? And like, it was that, those kind of numbers. Somebody, uh, somebody emailed us about profiteering. Somebody emailed me about profiteering. And I sent him an email back and I said, we employ 100 hardworking blue collar Americans. When Google called us and asked us for 40,000 masks and <laughs> asked us how much, how much it cost, how much is one, 15 bucks, how much is 40,000, 15 bucks, it's because we need to keep 100 hardworking <laughs> Americans working and get out of this thing so that we can get back into our supply chains. And if we had to fund those supply chains, which we did, which we did, we had to fund finding a new denim manufacturer and commit to massive amounts of denim, to mm-hmm. weave denim, you know, and and really secure the supply chain. Like we we played it, I think it was, I think by design we played it well. There was some, we were lucky mm-hmm. within there, but by design we played it well. I think it was just real strategic planning, keeping everybody motivated to want to continue working when they didn't have to, mm-hmm. you know, especially especially in the, in the, in the time, it was scary, but we, we had such a good team, it was just a tremendous team. I can't you know, say enough good things about them for sticking it out when they didn't have to. Yeah. I mean, the government was giving away money to people that were unemployed for whatever reason, yep. and it wasn't a normal unemployment. There was additional unemployment. There was like COVID unemployment, yeah. and it was a, it was a substantial amount of money that, that people were getting paid, and I knew people out in California that were, that were making a ton of money for you know for for staying at home yeah and more money than a lot of people could work yep. could make, make work in a job 100% and that's a tough market to compete with yep hey do you want to make $2000 a month working 40 hours a week uh doing a, doing a hard job or do you want to make $2000 a work uh, a week or sorry $2000 a month doing nothing yeah and a lot of people just said doing nothing we'll take that and all of our so that people, was a nightmare all of our people could have just gone and and collected you know what i mean and actually i mean they still they still did receive but they didn't 
they didn't rest on that. You know what I mean? They they were part of it. I that would was awesome. I would do like weekly motivational speeches and shit. Like not not meant to be motivational, <laughs> but like look at what you people are doing. Just to, that was good too. Like again in the bubonic plague phase of yeah. when you know when when we started making the face shields that were going to hospitals. That the, the hospitals couldn't get that they thought were absolutely critical at the time. Otherwise, yeah. everyone's going to catch COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that felt really good, you, you know. And and I think that was good for the team to know that America was calling out for this equipment, this yep. personal protection equipment. And Origin was able to on a weekend, yeah, over a weekend, start delivering. And that has to do with the ability having this, having this capability of doing everything there. Everything. Everything, design, the material was all sitting there, the people with the skills to make patterns, the people with the skills to sew, whatever needs to be sewn, that's freaking legit. Vertical integration inside the United States of America. Yeah. No one else had it. Nope. All right, so the tannery shuts down, you're out hunting for, oh, this was cool too, because now we need leather, and I think what, we, how do we talk about it? We talk, People found out that we needed leather. I think they were listening to your podcast. It was the Seidel family. Yeah. And they called us and said, heard you guys need help. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we need help. And they said, we can, we can take care of you. So we sent them what we were using for leather, and we went back and forth with iterations as we were coming out of kind of the mass making COVID thing and trying to get back into making footwear. We had a little bit left of supply, they ramped up for us. They started they started tanning to our spec, and they got us back on track. They sourced the bison, because I don't think they were doing bison at the time, and that's a big thing for us is bison, American Lakota bison leather. Because that bison leather is good. Buttery. It is, man. <laughs> you want to make like a pillow out of it when you get them, right? You want to make a pillow. You want to make like a washcloth out of it. You know, you want to, you, it's that freaking nice. I just love the historical nature of it, man. Like uh, of the Tatanka, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's freaking legit. So, um, so they but were they, awesome. just, they just stepped right up to the plate. Oh yeah, stepped right up, hammered, hammered it out for us, got it done, and got us back on track. And you know, I think I think that a lot of these, we're, we were all in the same place. Is the thing like all of the supply chain? They're all in the same place, dealing with the lack of people. You know, every, every, all of our suppliers, everybody dealing with a lack of people and those relationships, because we've built them for so long with our supply chain, they're trusting they're going to get paid. So when we're, when we're placing these massive blanket purchase orders, if we didn't have that relationship of trust between us, that just wouldn't happen. So, you know. I guess good on us for building those relationships yeah. over the years so that we we survived and thrived ultimately. And salute to Seidel reaching out like 100%. that. I mean, that's unbelievable. That, that's because, you know, because you though. <laughs> that's so freaking cool though. You know, it's like I was, I was saying the other day to somebody, um, when, when someone listens to the podcast, I have a relationship with someone if they listen to the podcast. Yeah. Because we have the same inside jokes. They know, you know, they know some things. They know some little inside jokes. We use the same words. You know, we got stories to refer back to mm-hmm. that we experience together. Like if you're just listening to Echo and I, you're listening to me talk about invading the beaches of Normandy or going on the Baton Death March, we shared that experience if you're listening. So we 
have shared common history together. If you're just listening to this, we have common history together. And that's what a relationship, oh, he's talking to Andy about it, Andy Stumpf. When you meet another SEAL that is younger than you or older than you, you never served with him. That you were retired before they joined or you went in after they retired. You still know them and you still have a common shared history that something that you did together. You weren't together, but you both went through buds. You both were a new guy in a platoon. You both went to, jumped out of an airplane. Yeah. You both went through hell week. You have these common things. So you're immediately, you have an actual yeah. relationship with someone you've never met before. So it's the same thing with the podcast. So when you get someone like the side L family, they're like, yeah, oh, Oh, Jocko needs leather. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Like we know him. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's reach out. I get it. It's like showing up to this immersion camp and everybody showing up for jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's direct the same connection. Thing. Uh, hey, where were we? How far along were we in making boots when COVID hit? Like we were pretty we had, embryonic. Yeah, we had we had decided just to buy this facility which was a Coca-Cola plant. And so that was in 2019. Yep, and we had just started late 2019. Yeah, it was late, late 2019. Yep, late 2019. We had just started getting machinery moved in and setting up and we weren't even really producing. I was going to say we point. hadn't really started producing yet. Nope. We had made boots. Yep. We knew we could do it. Yep. We had the skills, we had the technology. Yep. We but we weren't to. quite there yet. No, no. And um, so then in the middle of COVID, we lose the supply of the leather. We get the new supply of leather thanks to the Sidel crew. Yeah. And then it's, we decide we're going to start making boots. Yeah. And, yeah. We start, and we start making them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Barely, but yes. Barely why? Uh, it just, um, a lot of reasons. Out of practice, number one. You know, uh, there was some, there was some, uh, bad seeds i guess you could say also there was there was some negative there was some animosity there was some negative attitudes you know and those came out when we when i kind of flanked the team with you're going to make yourselves or a family a loved one a pair of boots specifically i wanted to gauge everybody's nonverbal reactions at the end of the day and there was a couple of individuals that i thought would would get there or I questioned would get there, but I was hoping they would. I didn't mm-hmm. think they would. And engaging their their nonverbals, I was like, got it. They're not coming not coming my way. So um So maybe this, so they weren't the right people for the yeah, and job. It's amazing. Like you could have a team of fifteen. Let's see you had a team of fifteen people making fifty pairs of boots a day. You'd think that if you lose three, then you'd lose the same percentage mm-hmm. in production. What happens is you actually gain. Mm-hmm. So it goes, you drop to 12, and now you're making 55 pairs. Mm-hmm. There's just, there's a, when, when, when cover and move is part of your culture, which it is for us, you know, cover and move, mm-hmm. and you want to cover and move for people you like, you know, you're, you're apt to move quicker and to be more responsive and to have better peripheral vision and to see where you can inject yourself to improve the process and you give a shit. And you inject your soul into it, and I think, I think we had lost some of that, you know, during COVID. You know, the factory turned into a machine. It did, mm-hmm. you know, for better or for worse, it literally turned into a machine. When you walked in, there was like a beehive buzzing, 
And we were just cranking six, seven days a week, 10 hours a day, just burning through through thread and fabric. And there, there, there was there was motivation, but there wasn't a lot of culture building over those three or four months. It was just head, heads down. And heads go. down, man. And you know what? You gotta do that yep. shit sometimes. You gotta do that shit. And 99% of the factory came out of it, adjusted, and it was wonderful. But, um, but there was a few folks that just, uh, just didn't make it, mm-hmm. and um, so once once we took care of that, everything came came around. So you were you were, you gave a quote the other day, or you asked a question, or you made the statement about how much it cost to make the first pair of Origin boots. Half a million bucks. <laughs> and, and then what's funny is someone was like, someone said, uh, "Well, those must have been some awesome boots." And I was kind of like, "Not really." Yeah, right. <laughs> like the first pair of boots that I got were like. I was like, send me, you know, change these things. This sucked. <laughs> Tongue fell out. Freaking soul's coming up. Like, you know, it, was, yeah. it was, wasn't that bad. But it was definitely, even to get the first prototype boot took a lot. Yeah. But, yeah, putting a half a million dollars of money, of our money, yeah. <laughs> into that, just buying equipment. And, bro, you want to talk about, you want to talk about uh, freaking trust? Because I was sketch on boots. Yeah, yeah. Man, no. from the word go, I was sketch on boots because they seem very difficult. They look hard hard to make to me, right? I look at a pair of boots and I think, man, that seems like, a, that seems like it's going to be a problem. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I'm, you problem. know, it's hard for me to understand how, like, a piece of thread goes through that big piece of leather and how's that going to work and who's doing that. And it just seems, seems like more challenging. And I, and I brought this to your attention. Yeah, you did. I said, bro. Look, man, it's hard to make geese. Like, um, this doesn't seem like a smart idea. And the other thing that scares me about it is, first of all, they're they're really expensive. Yeah. And second, you know, if you make T-shirts, you got to make small, medium, large, extra large, right? If you make boots, you got to make size five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. And by the way, you know, one pair of one brand I wear an 11, another brand I wear a 10, another brand I wear a 13. So now you got people that are pissed off because it's not the right size. Yep. It just seemed to me, I was paranoid, man. I was definitely paranoid. And and you were like, you're like, no, man, boots are easier than geese. You said to me, I was like, okay. And I, I believed you, you know? Easier than weaving. E- easier than weaving. And I said, okay. And that was a high level trust, bro. You might yeah, as well have like been playing Russian roulette with my head, because <laughs> that's how I felt about it. And then we're spending a half a million dollars on freaking equipment, and I'm like, "Yep, cool, sounds great, man." Yeah, yeah. I'm holding my breath. And then you sent me the first pair that was like maybe uh, version four or something, yeah, version yeah. three, and I could already go, "Ooh, oh wait, There's something there." Oh yeah, this is gonna be good. Yeah. So. That was a high level of trust. I appreciate that. I'm glad I didn't screw up on the milk bars before that. <laughs> <laughs> and then what's crazy is while all this is going on, well, we just we were running out of room overall because now because now we're having to buy because now Jocko Fuel is going berserk, right? Well, everybody's got to understand we're self funded, mm. so we've never taken on capital. Like we've always self-funded. If we make a profit, you know, a large chunk of that gets injected back into what we're doing. And in 2017, at the grand opening, I don't know what do we have for how many employees did we have? 
12, 12, 12 employees. 12. Yeah. I think when you and I shook hands, we, we had eight. Okay. And, and so then we decided we were going to start Jocko Fuel. So everyone's sewing in the factory and all the pallets of Jocko Fuel are in between the sewing machines. Like that was our warehouse. Yeah. Was this factory floor was our warehouse too. You know, just winning at all costs. You know, whatever needs to, whatever needs to happen. So... And Jocko Publishing books are in there. I know. It was, I forgot about <laughs> yeah. that shit. Jocko Publishing, Mikey oh, and the Dragon man. stacked it up in books. there. Oh, man. So, um, I forgot about that. Yeah. You know, when you think about blitz scaling to, we have 210 employees. You know, over 2020, we hired another 40 employees. You know, and so we're dealing with a lack of infrastructure uh, that, you know, really a decaying infrastructure. The fact that there is only, I don't know, one or two buildings left in our community, you know, within a half a mile radius that actually could hold our growth. And we did the boot plant. We invested in that coronavirus hit. We had invested in another facility for nutrition. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention about the equipment. We bought a building. Yeah. So we're just getting crazy we're getting crazy and we're we're self well we're when i say self-funding i mean you know we're we're working with banks we're working the banks to make all this shit happen because we can see it now (laughs) i'm not sure if that's being naive as a superpower or just being naive but I, i i believe in our vision you believe in our vision and we know we've got something special you know you know how i know that because we have people moving from all over america to work for us I'm talking Colorado, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, Utah, Georgia. I said Arizona. Yeah. (laughs) Massachusetts, Connecticut. I'm everywhere. And when when everyone's saying the same thing, like I want to be part of this, I can see what you guys are doing. It's special. I get it. Like, and it's resonating with them. We just got to tell more people. So we invest in in that's part of business. I mean, it's the. I learned a lot about organizational structure and, you know, I've learned a, a way more than I ever thought I would know about running a, a business of this size, this magnitude, five facilities, 210 employees. I mean, it's, it's a lot. And I never like believed in titles. Like everybody just do what needs to be done. Like literally we got done eating steaks last night and I was in the kitchen with the deck. We were washing the, di- we washed all the dishes, all the forks, like just do it, do what needs to be done. Like get shit done. But I do understand now because of the situation how you have to really detach to look at to look at I, I don't I hate to use the word battlefield because it's not a battlefield, but to look at the organization and do you have the right players in the right positions? Are you missing people? And sometimes just letting the fire burn. And what I mean by that Hess, Hess Malm actually was saying this to me, Pete, you got to just let the fire burn for some of these things. You can't solve all the problems all the time. Now, you don't want to get it out of control. You don't want to become a blaze. I said, but if you can't solve this part of your company, like the issues we're dealing with, let's say in finance, we had a CFO, but we really need four people in that department because Don's working you know, 100 hours a week. He's like, just you gotta let the fire burn. And if it's not done perfectly, and if it's not closed, the quarterlies aren't closed on time, that's okay, let the fire burn. Media, same thing. 
and focus on the on the things that really have a massive impact and then get the people to solve the problems. I really, really learned that lesson this year. Yeah. Um, prioritize and execute. Yep. And that's a huge one. And then decentralized command. And what decentralized command, ultimately the power that it gives you in you, when you're in a leadership position is you have the ability to look up and out instead of down and in. So yes. instead of looking down and in at your team, instead of looking down and in and what the schedule is for today and who's on the line and who's not and who's sick and who's not instead of looking down it in at that which which takes away your your overall vision of what's happening on the battlefield yes. you have to be looking up and out and so yeah you you definitely got that um and and look you're not going to solve every problem and sometimes you got to be like oh yep yep that's gonna suck yep. um okay got it we accept that suck fat factor on that thing because we can now focus on our efforts on something that's gonna that would suck way worse and be much worse for everything that's going on here but we you, you again you and i have some conversations that are million dollar conversations we're making decisions and what's funny to me is they're still like three minute conversations <laughs> quick but but like because we bought a few buildings since it's been so since 20 since 2019, yeah, we've bought what three more, four more buildings. Yeah, three going on four. Yeah, with a new addition to North Carolina. Yeah, actually, we're not buying a building; we're buying the business. Yeah. So, um, but these are big investments, and and the the, the Jocko Fuel Warehouse, as <laughs> as everything was just overflowing, we needed we needed to go big. Yeah, we needed to go big, and also needed to go big on our supply chain. Um, you know, having enough stuff in stock that when people order, we can fulfill it. Well, the thing is, is as we were dealing in, I remember really sitting down at, on the phone with you, with Joe and Brian, uh, our chief revenue officer and chief product officer, sitting down and saying, hey, listen, guys, learn something during this with, with apparel and footwear where our supply chains are local, let's say on the East Coast, I think shit's going to happen on the nutritional side. Let's lock down everything we can, the whole supply of monk fruit. And we ended up locking down aluminum too. And that was kind of the big one. That was, that a was the one. lucky one. That was a lucky. I mean, I didn't think like people, I didn't think we were going to be affected by people not at bars drinking off a tap. And because normally, you know, people are going to the store and buying 12 packs of beer, aluminum cans. Well, it's, a, it's aluminum. Doesn't matter what the can is. It matters that the, there's an aluminum shortage. So like securing the supply chains of the raw ingredients in the cans allowed us to really eat market share at the same time. And I think to what you're saying is having, having being able to look up and out versus get stuck in the trenches of just survival, it really allowed us to, to thrive. And actually it taught me how to be a CEO for the first time ever. So I was like, CEO, yeah, that's just a bullshit title that I don't want, but I actually get it because some of the de the decisions that ultimately sometimes I just have to make, they are they're multi-million dollar decisions, but they could make or break us. You know, and I'm I I don't want to screw up, man. <laughs> I don't want to screw up. How good did it, how good did it feel to take a quarter million of those precious cans of product oh. and throw them away? Because that's exactly what happened. This is another tuition payment. 
Yeah, that was a tough nut to swallow. So 250,000 cans. 250,000 cans. 250, cans. So we had to destroy. And this was, wait, when was that? Was that uh, uh, 2020? Yeah. It, it was, was like. Three quarters of the way through Three quarters of the way to 2020. So, so at that time, Leakers. that was a big chunk of, a big chunk for us. Big chunk. I mean, it's a big chunk now, but it's a much less substantial. It's been another, it's been a year since yeah. then. But at that time, it was a lot. Yeah. And it was especially a lot because aluminum was short. It was hard to get the stuff run on the lines. So 250,000 cans was substantial. Yes. And we, and we, what had happened was um, we had leaked some of the cans of this 250,000 cans yeah. were, had been sealed wrong. And, and luckily, it was like one in six that were actually leaking. Yep. And so luckily we caught it. And then oh, what do we do? We consulted legal. Oh, yep. Here's what you do. Oh, what? What did you do? You destroy them all. <laughs> Bro. I, yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't even watch it. So. A couple tuition payments. Yep. The funny thing about that was Maine Thai. Who, what? so we're shipping. Uh, this is this is Main Tai. Yeah, uh, Main Tai, who's a part of the media department. Yep. Does he run the media department? He's a media department. He's a media manager. He's the, okay. So the media manager, Main Tai. He uh, when we were when we had to destroy two hundred fifty thousand cans of go, of which one out of six was actually bad. Yeah. He would. He was. He didn't care. He started oh, making runs right. with his Jeep. That's as many. Right. He said he's got a lifetime supply he right does. now of Jocko Discipline Go at his house. Breaking he's got pallet he upon pallet upon pallet. So there's an Amazon seller. Hmm. There's an Amazon seller who's creeping up on us. I'm going to have to pay main time Needs to get checked out. He um, loaded up though. Yeah, yeah, he did. He was. I was laughing my ass off when he was telling me. Did he sent you a video? Oh, he told you. No, he just was telling me about oh, it. He man. was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" I, I went down there with my jeep about ten times. <laughs> <laughs> his uh, his grandparents are in the game. Yeah. His grandmother drinks the go. She's always tagging like, "Fire, fire, America, strong, strong, strong." <laughs> we said, uh, "Are we sponsoring her now?" Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's like she, eighty. She's We're sponsoring the, yeah, her. She's the she's the freaking Jocko origin yeah. athlete. <laughs> Jesus. Um, all those are hard, but there was there were other there was a couple other events that happened in the past couple of years that have been freaking really hard. Um, yeah, I mean losing people, losing people. Yeah, yeah, we lost two two. Two really good ones. Um, we we had this young kid, Mo, uh, wasn't but 19 years old, uh, awesome kid, just started jiu-jitsu. This kid's life was sports, uh, basketball player in high school, just a tremendous athlete. And first time on the mats, I was like, this kid is going to be special. And he had just gotten into it. Um dealing with dealing with depression and ended up taking his own life during uh during the whole pandemic and uh just a terrible terrible loss that really stunned you know the factory and his team downstairs um in the bunker but i i i think like man if he if i hate to say like like put this on jujitsu, but man, if he had started like a little bit earlier and gotten back into that team type of atmosphere, 
I know what it could have done for him. Like I know what jujitsu has done for people in his situation, you know, and uh, I actually should have pushed harder to like get him to training more, you know, like it just, I didn't. Um, really shitty situation. We lost uh, him and then we also lost Lenny. So Lenny was, uh, he's the man. He's the guy that got us going, man, when it came to weaving. He did everything. He g- just give us a little background on, on how you on how you found, on how you fi- you kind of found Lenny. Yeah. Um, there was a need, yeah. kind of a, a desperate need. A desperate need to weave, to weave fabric because there wasn't any fabric in America that we could make geese with, ultimately. And if you want the fabric, you had to import it from China or Pakistan, and that wasn't an option. So I just I called around looking for knowledge and... We just asking everybody, who do you know who's done this before? Driving around, trying to find people. I just, I literally like just chasing information, you know, reconnaissance, you know, and we discovered this guy and I told him what we wanted to do. We, we had this old loom and man, he said he'd help us refurbish it. And I didn't know what we were getting into. Again, naive when it came to weaving fabric, and this is so. Did you already have? The, did you already have the loom at this point? They they came about at the same time. Found the loom and then found Lenny. Where so where did you talk to him for the first time? At the at the Bates Mill, we stood there and looked at that friggin' loom together. So as you were going to get the loom, yep. he yep. went with you. Yep through the through the chain of people that were involved in the project, he came into it. He was working with a museum to help them get the museum right and make sure the looms were right for this museum. And he came in and we looked at this loom and he straight up was like, I can make that work. And just those, I can make that work. (laughs) Five words. I was like, let's do it. You know, just blind faith. So Lenny, I mean, that guy really he's one of the main reasons for our success and and our ability to do what we do because when i asked lenny and you've heard me say this before how many people know what you knew and he's like a whole bunch like how many like how many in new england he's like well at least five there's at least five <laughs> five people you know and he invested all of his knowledge into Obviously, myself and John and this young kid, Cam, who knows more than John and I put together times 10. So this young kid, Cam, who's in his early 20s, um, Lenny spent hours upon hours upon hours with him, teaching him over a three-year period. And uh, and he passed. Um, and it s- sucks bad. You know, like I, man, first time I broke down in a long time, like, Losing him, he 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 meant the world to the company and to the people of origin, and just was such a tremendous, tremendous uh, asset. So we did start a like a scholarship program in his name. So that was pretty awesome. But yeah, so now the the thing is on us. It's all on us. There's no more calling Lenny. I uh, I have a a voicemail actually. I kept on my phone. I'm not, I'm never going to delete it. You know, it's like the last, the last voicemail he left me. I listen to it every once in a while, actually. So 
he uh, he's the man. And his wife Thea, she still still calls and stops by, and she's just heartbroken. Um, I'll tell you what. When I talk about like the old timers, the last ones left. He was the last one. It was ones. That was plural. He's the last one. He's the, he was the last one in Maine. There ain't nobody else in Maine that has his that has his knowledge. Mm-hmm. The the awesome thing is is that if you wouldn't have done what you did, that never would have been captured. No, there'd be no cam. There'd be it just would it just wouldn't have happened. Gone. That the business the industry would be dead forever. Like when they say, "Oh, it's impossible to bring back." It would have been. It would have been virtually impossible to take back. So much so that there's a company in America that weaves. It weaves denim. And they work for some brands. And they flew up to Maine recently. And I'm not going to say what the brands are. But they're well-known brands. International well-known brands. And there's a guy here who's been in the industry for you know 30 years, 40 years. New York City. You know, big denim guy ran ran programs for the biggest denim brands. And I said, man, why are you in Maine? Like, why are you here? And he's he's like, can I film your operation? I'm like, yeah, sure. Have at it. Film it. Like, I don't I don't care. He's like, how'd you figure out how to do all this? I said, we just figured it out. We just use common sense. He's like, yeah, but how did you like learn? How did you where'd you get the operators? I said, we hired them without any skill and we trained them. And we taught them about our culture and what we're all about. And they bought in and they became better at it because they care. And he just couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe what's happening. And he said, you're the only ones that can do this. I said, what are you talking about? He's like, you're outside of California. This company is the only ones that can make jeans. I said, what about all the brands you work with, the the big ones? He said, I've asked them all the same question. Why don't you guys set up your own manufacturing? And they all have the same answer. Because we don't have the knowledge anymore. That was 20 years ago, 25 years ago. We don't know how to do it. And so they're soliciting us to set up cut and sew so that these brands, big brands, can make jeans in America. And I can tell you one of those brands is Levi's because Levi's called us to ask if we would make jeans for them. And um, of course, you know, we said no. Because <laughs> we <make laughs> we're savages. <laughs> <laughs> because we rip people's faces off. But, uh, you know, Lenny Lenny was, was the last one. And the knowledge is really where there's a vessel of knowledge is origin. It's one of our biggest assets is just the sheer knowledge. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be part of. Yeah. And that, that's one of those stories right there. Um, I remember you're sending me a text, like just got an email from Levi's. I'm like, okay, (laughs) that's, this should be an interesting call. Yeah. But it's another one of those things where the tactical short term move that can be very beneficial in the immediate, but if you look at it over the long term, you realize that it's not 
aligned with what it is we're trying to do and we ran in the same thing you know we had a we had some very nice offers presented to us in the past year really maybe year and a half um that i think i actually think 99.9% 99.9% of the people in the world would have have taken these offers on board and 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 executed um, you know huge amounts of money and a lot of security but what you sell for that security and what you sell for that money is the dream and the vision mm-hmm. and you know you you and I we we had, we had some good conversations about it but I think a lot of times we had conversations that we were talking, we were discussing, our mouths were moving, but our hearts were already, we already knew what the answer was. And it was almost like, hey man, what what do you think? I'm like, well, I mean, we could, yeah, we could. Well, it'd be nice, yeah, it'd be nice. Um, it's It's a risk, yeah, it's a risk. We could have, we'd have all those conversations and in the end it would just, each time it's been, it's a sacrifice of the vision. It's a, it's going away from the ultimate goal. It's giving up what it's giving up control when there is, and you give up control with people that might not be going where we're going. And if, if they're in a different place and all of a sudden someone else is in control or you got to deal with someone. I've had this conversation plenty of times, I, I, even with certain investors. I've said, listen, Pete and I make decisions in three minutes, three minutes, three texts. We figure out what we're going to do. This, th- that is what, that's one of the major reasons why I'm hesitant to do anything. Because I'm gonna have to deal with you people, mm-hmm. and you might you look. You seem like nice people. I get it, but you have what you have a direction that you want to go in, and we. I'm not sure what that direction is. I'm not sure where you want to go. I know for a fact where Pete and I want to go, and so you start throwing variables in there, and then on top of that, you know, you start trying to put a price on those variables. And it, and it becomes, well, we haven't done it. Big prices, too. Yeah. Big. It, the thing is, it's almost like inevitable when you think about where we need to go and how to get there. You know? Yeah, at some point, we will, ha- we, we will likely have to take some outside capital on board. Um, <laughs> every, it seems like every day, every week that we don't, we are in an even better position where maybe we can muddle through it a little bit further. And then you look yeah. at me and say, what's still doing all right? You know, we're <laughs> okay, we're good. Can you breath hold another three months here? That's yeah, I can a, hold my breath. Yeah, can you? Yeah, I can. Yeah, you're going to be good with it? Yeah, I'm okay, man. I can, yeah. yeah, you can. Okay, yeah. all right, we're good. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. And, we look, and we've done that for the last year and a half. It's yeah. been a lot of that. Every, almost every week, the, the, we, we, we overcome an obstacle. We make a move that turns out good. We've taken some hits too, but that just gives it gives us so much more security to move forward with just us. I feel like the uh, the wormhole is closing. You know, like we've been in this wormhole, and you can see the light in it, and it's like this, and we're going, and we're we're moving towards it. We're moving towards it, and we're picking up speed. 
and we've got to get through the wormhole before it shuts, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a, it's a difficult place to be, you know, in, in to, to read because doing what we do is, is unique and it, it makes us feel alive and we're completely aligned and working on the same frequency and having fun but we're building something that's going to transcend us at the same time you know what i mean it's like holy shit getting to the next level is it's a big deal bro what what were we on the ink 500 in 2020 like 2020 last year for last year the year before last we were 364 on the Inc. 500. And then this year? And for 2020, we finished 215. Oh, would we're going to crush that. Would you think about for a, a company that did what we did, it just shows the strength of our people and our culture and our vision to finish the, as a 215th fastest growing business in America? That's crazy. From the freaking woods of nowhere, Maine? <laughs> I mean. And... and, and literally doing what we're saying we're gonna do. Yes. And, a, and an example that, that I'm thinking of right now is we keep saying, oh, we're bringing manufacturing back to America. Oh, okay, what does that really mean? I'll tell you what it means. A trip to the Dominican Republic <laughs> to buy equipment and literally ship it back to America. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Well, Andy, Andy found this, uh, this equipment, our COO over there at the footwear division, and he's like, this is what we need to make, safety toe boots, and he's gone all in. You walk into his office, it's all books on making footwear, he knows how to make shoes, he knows how to make patterns. I mean, this is a guy who came from setting up plants for Toyota, now working on footwear, and he was super nervous. He's like, here's the list of stuff we need to bid on, here's what I think we're gonna need, it's coming out of a Timberland factory, Timberland boot factory in the Dominican that's shutting down. And I was like, cool, man, let's get whatever we need. And he was just super nervous about it. So we sat in the conference room and we bid real time. Yeah. You, you, were, you were posting that stuff on freaking Instagram. I you texted like, me, yeah. you're like, hey, bro. Did you say, hey, bro, I do think you should be posting on Instagram. Someone's going to bid against you. I know. I was worried. I'm like, yeah. dude, what are you doing? Like, you're showing everybody that there's stuff for sale. Hold off. Give me a 20 minute interval. Wait till the freaking bidding closes. Come on, bro. Let's be strategic. We uh, we did. We got it. We secured the stuff we, we really needed two container fulls of machine and we sent we sent Joe my father-in-law down there with uh with Andy and Nicole and you know we thank god Nicole's fiance is from the Dominican so he's like packing heat here he knows everybody who he has to pay off cuz this is no small feat to get there and to get in like safely where we needed to go to this factory this is during covid he, was it I mean, yeah, yes, it was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, of course it was. It yeah, was. So, so uh, they get over there, and you got this. You got Joe from the woods of Maine. I mean, the biggest <laughs> redneck on the planet. You know what I mean? Strutting I there. I know what his, you mean. Sure. His, yeah, <laughs> strutting through the streets. You know, in his uh, in his in his jean shorts <laughs> that the girls made him at the factory. Oh man! And uh, and they they did it. They they paid off everybody they needed to pay off like it was a mission i mean a straight up mission so we pulled that back and 
all the machinery. We had a technician come and go through everything and get it all running, and it is beautiful. The machinery looked beautiful. Uh, it's, it's incredible. I mean, some of the shit's like a year old. Hmm. And what, that was all. That was most of that was geared towards making safety toe safety boots. Safety boots. Because we've had a huge demand signal for safety huge. boots. And, it, and it's coming this fall, safety toe boots. Uh, echelon front, the, our work with construction companies is so massive. Yep. There's Because the the correlations between like running a SEAL platoon and running a, running a military unit and running um, a, a construction site, they're really, really similar. Yeah. And it's a real level of uh, where the explanations just make so much sense to them mm-hmm. we massive and and they all are in the game they're yeah. all in the game they're like when the work pants come out that's going to get buck wild yeah I know. <laughs> when the work pants come out and the reason i say this because i have a pair and i know that and i work construction as a kid and those things are going to get they're the perfect pants for work yeah they really are they're they're like the pants you want in a post-apocalyptic environment <laughs> that shit's gonna last forever yeah. totally overbuilt totally overbuilt like, over-engineered oh, 100%. over-engineered like you read about yeah but the point is of, of the reason i'm bringing that up is this this talk about bringing manufacturing back there's no better example of that than going to a foreign country getting the equipment and bringing it literally back to here so we can build yep that's freaking legit. Uh, when, you, when did you get COVID? I got COVID before you, right? Yeah, I got it in uh, December. And Echo got it. You and I got it together. We had the joint COVID. Yeah, yeah you, you and I were just, we were. Kind of skated through it a little bit. We, we definitely oh, skated yeah, through it. fine with it. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You lost your smell. Yeah. I didn't lose anything. I had a couple workouts that were kind of weak. Damn. You know? What's your blood Brutal. type? Brutal. Uh, a negative. I don't know mine. I forget. Mine's a positive. Is that a thing? Yeah, they said it. They said like a positive. You were down hard. You were down hard. Oh yeah. I mean, I made it look good on Instagram. Like, <laughs> hey, this is no factor. <laughs> and I put my phone down and just boom, right back, right back in bed. It was weird too because Maine and especially Farmington, you guys didn't get. No, we didn't get. You didn't get hit. No, we locked it down pretty good. We didn't get hit like the rest of the country. Yeah. So. It, I mean, it, it, you know, it was so, an experience. So how many people total at Origin got COVID? Um, eight. That's unbelievable. How yeah. did you not spread it? So lots of conversations with the whole team. Hey, listen, when you leave your house in the morning, make sure you're making, you know, if you can make one stop. And on that stop, make sure you're getting the things you need for the day and then go straight home after. I mean, we asked everybody to have, basically say low impact, have super low impact. Um, we just, you know, we made sure everybody was aligned to follow kind of those guidelines. So you got COVID though, all right? Yeah, I did. So, so you got COVID. What I'm saying still is, traveling. how did you not go into the factory for two, three days, shake hands, hey, let me get on that machine. Hey, what do you think of this? You're looking over their shoulder. It was Christmas, New Year's still. Got it. And so I you just got lucky. Had, got lucky. Did you? How long did it take you before you knew you had it? I knew immediately. Oh, Miss Rona. Yeah, I knew immediately. 
I uh, you could just feel you felt, felt sick. It. Oh yeah, I felt it. I was like, oh, did no, you? What, what, good. what did you? But are you echo? What's did uh, you? Did you? I think I told you I. Had, yeah. So, that was the worst. The worst thing for me was I had to call everybody. <laughs> I had to call everybody I knew that I had been in contact with, <laughs> and say, hey, hey, <laughs> like this is the hey I'm I, I was and I was I guess I was texting people because it seemed more efficient. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the worst was Tulsi. Because Tulsi came yeah. to visit us, uh, like she, and we we would have recorded a podcast, but uh, she like last minute thing, and she only yeah, had a little yeah. bit of time. So she's like, "Hey, I just want to come by and say hi." We're like, "Cool, come on by." And so you came in. I think we trained, and then we trained, and then she came in, and she hung out. But I will say, she wore two masks yep. the whole time. And and at this point, Echo and I, we we were in our own whatever COVID bubble. We so didn't you care. gave Echo COVID. We don't know. Uh, or we might have caught it from the same spot. Because we went on a trip. We went up to Northern California. Uh, we met with Cowboy, and we met with we met with Tilt, and so we did a. And that was the hardest thing about this. And and look, we don't know where we got it. Whether Cowboy gave it to us, but Cowboy got Cowboy was a Vietnam Vietnamese. Sog guy, yeah. Sog operator, just a total badass guy. He, dude, we, you know, you watch that podcast. He's like pulling up his shirt, showing, "Oh, I got stabbed here, got shot here, got blown up over here," and then all of a sudden he gets COVID, and it, and he was in the hospital stuff. It was bad. Yeah. Um, and by the way, the troopers that I posted about it because it, it it hit his whole family, and like people just donated a ton of money oh, and really awesome. helped him out, man. So thanks everybody for doing that. But wherever we got it, because we had flown up there, we stayed in a hotel, we get done with that, and he had had some family event or whatever, I don't know. Anyways, we all end up getting COVID. And and then Tulsi came, and what, what made it hard about, what I felt bad about Tulsi, because Tulsi went from being with us to flying out to damn DC, mm-hmm. and they were, they were paranoid level 12 out there. And so she's like, yeah, if... I've been exposed. She goes, I have to quarantine for 12 days. I was like, what? She's like, just for being exposed to us. Oh, man. I felt horrible. So sorry. Tulsi. So she served for 12 days. No, I think, no, she was in DC. So oh, she couldn't go home okay. and Hawaii was real strict gotcha. too. Oh, so man. it was, but, but you know what? She ended up getting like two back-to-back tests and she was negative, negative. Yeah. And so ended up being all right, mm-hmm. which was cool. Uh, what about like your own, what about, so we, we kind of talked about the business. COVID was kind of kind of like a little bit rough on Pete Roberts as a <laughs> yeah. as a human. Well, I did. I went down for a couple of weeks. My whole I gave it to my whole family. My father in law, my they were pissed. Dude, at no me. one in my family got it. Really? And we didn't. I you know I didn't stay. Did you quarantine I mean, yourself or anything? I after I when I had it, I yeah. had to. Yeah, I stayed in. I stayed at in my property. Did you stay away from your family though? Well, I didn't know I had it, and then I had. I must have gotten pretty massive viral dose uh-huh. and so then i gave it to my my mother-in-law my father-in-law my son my daughter my son's best friend oh. my wife his freaking <laughs> parents xander i call him the zandalorian i they sent him up to the woods of maine to a cabin for two weeks his parents sent him up by himself there's like one store up up there that he would walk to and get his goods or whatever. Yeah. Maybe he had them delivered. I don't know. Bro, no one in my family got it. That's crazy. And, I didn't, we, and we didn't, I mean, yeah, my family, because me we, we were like, okay, well, I got it. So we all go, we're just stuck together. We're all going to get it. And yeah. no one got it. Yeah. Weird. That's weird. I, I mean, I was, even before I knew I had it, which I obviously had it, I was like, you know, my wife and I are, you know, like. I blame it on chips. Chips, chips, chips. What? Chips. You eat, what do you mean? I eat chips. Oh, oh potato and chips. I offer chips to everybody else. Uh-oh. 
potato, potato chips. chips. Cape uh, Cod kettle style oh, potato the chips. Cape Cod's. I Those blame, are good, I blame giving COVID to everybody on Cape Cod yeah, chips. What? Yeah, yeah. My mother-in-law was super pissed. <laughs> she was super pissed at me. Mm, and I'm like, you're welcome. After she, you know, was fine. I was like, yeah. you're welcome. You're welcome. She didn't like that either. What mm. about what about your uh, training during Miss Rona? Yeah, I mean, I, I I was shut down for two weeks. I was done. And then when I got back into working out or trying to work out, it was like literally five minutes. I was like, <laughs> do you still feel like Miss Rona in your in your I, lungs? I, so, I, honestly, there's some cognitive things going on mm. for me. There's like beyond just your normal, yeah, yeah, limited yeah. capacity. Yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty limited as it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I, you know, no. There's 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 a little bit of shit going on, but uh, all good. I feel like, I mean, I feel super healthy now. You know, even though I put on forty freaking pounds, you put on forty pounds. Forty man. Wait. Wait, 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 chips, wait, 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 Take me out and carve you put, me wait, out. You put on forty pounds before or after? During like, no, nah, during COVID. I put I put on forty pounds during COVID. Wait, when you the had COVID? Yeah, oh, no, you no, 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 no. Did you during, lose weight when you had COVID? Yeah, I I dropped like ten pounds. Okay, yeah. yeah. And that was because you were couldn't eat. That couldn't was because eat. yeah, yeah. I was, you were sweating. You were sick. Yeah, sweating, sick, and and then couldn't taste anything. So the only thing that actually felt good in my mouth is. That old school Campbell's chicken noodle soup. <laughs> <laughs> so you're losing weight. And all right, so um, that's happened with COVID. And then oh, we had a bunch of other crazy, like awesome stuff going on. Cause we had, that's another thing, timing wise. We went into Vitamin Shop. Yeah. The entire Jocko Fuel line goes into Vitamin Shop. It explodes because and that's goes, where people are shopping. And goes, and goes berserk out of the gate. And then COVID hits. Yep. And all of a sudden, that's like goes on a little bit of a, of a, you know, hesitation there because people, it shut down, you know, uh, wasn't whatever. What's the word again? Critical what? mass, critical essential, essential work, right? Yeah. Was vitamin shop essential? They were. We actually, okay. we actually, the vitamin shop we exploded in because people, they were buying, like, when you went into the stores, like, my wife was telling me, she's like, I'm going shopping. This is like as shit's coming across and mm. you're wearing the face coverings and everybody's got masks on. So she's going to the store and she's like, Bubonic plate. I just needed some essentials. I needed some bread and, you know, some tuna fish, whatever. She's coming she out goes, there ready to survive bro, for four she, years. She's <laughs> like, Pete, she's like, I'm going down the aisle and I look and there's brown bread and there's only one left. I've never bought brown bread in my life. She's like, I had to put it in the shopping cart because there's only one left, yeah. and that's the kind of like the kind of chaos that yeah. that went on. And then folks started going to GNCs and vitamin yeah. shops and anywhere else you could get protein, yeah, there was know, that and supplements. So I remember it like spiked. a little bit of hesitation, and then it was like, yeah, oh yeah. So that ended up being awesome. Yeah, it was good for business. And, and then same thing with going into Wawa, which yeah. is the if you don't know what Wawa is, it's a massive. Uh, convenience chain on the East Coast, and we rolled into Wawa. We rolled into Wawa on a three-month test. So if you don't know anything about this kind of thing, so it's convenience stores 
they're like the real estate, right? They're like the real estate where you, you get to sell stuff. Yeah. If you're lucky, they own it and they only want to sell stuff that's going to sell. So they don't just, you can't just walk into a convenience store and be like, oh, I want to sell my, you know, my, my drink here. They go, eh, we don't care. We, we don't want your drink. Get out of here. Because they want stuff that's going to sell. They want there to be a demand for it. And so we got, we, we had some relationships. Luckily, like everything's relationship based. Joe Moss had some relationships. And so we, they gave us a three-month test to yeah. see how we do. In Florida. In Florida. And um, I think it was three weeks. three weeks into it. They called and said chain wide, chain wide, because every all y'all that are listening to this right now <laughs> went out and got crazy. Yes, as a matter of fact, it got to a point where they asked me to stop saying go clear this because I was like, hey, if you go to Wawa, clear the shelves, and people were like, okay, cool. People are posting videos of them just clearing shelves into coolers yeah. from Wawa. Freaking awesome! Oh, so awesome. So that was super helpful and awesome that y'all went out and did that. And so in three weeks, they called us and said, can you can we get enough supply to go chain wide in now? And we were like, okay. Yeah. So that was, and that's a that's a, an iconic People get married store. at Wawa. It's an iconic <laughs> convenience store. Straight up. And it's a married. benchmark. It's a benchmark yeah. for all convenience stores. Yeah. And, and we had to, you know, we had to go crush a few Wawa and, Hoagies. Oh yeah, we got some hoagies on, mm. but but that's opened up the doors now. There's now there's a well. We should be spreading to many other convenience stores. I don't want to name them right now, but they're all over the country. Uh, the one, the probably the hardest one to get into, as far as geographically, when this is a bummer, is California. California has some convenience stores that we're we're just we're not. We, we're, we're not in California the way we want to be. We'll find the right partner, but it's just it's a little bit tricky of, a, of an atmosphere out there, which is weird, too, because California like basically is convenience stores. Like There's yeah. convenience stores everywhere. There's people that just, that's where they shop, is yep. convenience stores. You know, <laughs> like that's where, they're, that's where it's happening, you know? And so, we'll, but we'll, we're working that, that issue um, to get to a point where, where it starts to go forward. What else? That's a pretty good year, man. Yeah, you know when you think in talking through this, holy shit! All this thing, all this has happened at the same time. Oh, by the way, we bought a a, a business, yes. a factory in uh, North Carolina. In North Carolina, by the way, yep. we just closed on that. Yep, yep. So all the papers are signed. So that's a massive amount of capability that we're going to have to so even better, and and North Carolina. It's similar in many ways to what we have up in Maine, what we have up in New England, where this used to be the dominant industry up here, mm -hmm. and it just faded away. And North Carolina is similar in yep. many ways, and they have they also have they also have parts of the industry down there that are central in that area that aren't central up here. Yes, and so that'll be a huge boost to what we're able to do as well. Yeah, when it comes to like our heavy hoodies, you know, we have the new heavy hoodies. Joggers, t-shirts, grappling shorts, vice shorts, board shorts, knit products, like all the all the new stuff we're we're doing as we focus on building origin and bringing bringing it to the masses, blitz scaling. It's it's just going to be phenomenal to have this other facility. So it's another big, you know, big step. You know, risk reward. You know, and 
I think we we both buy into that one hundred percent. I don't think that's like boots. I think it's yeah, you know, I think it's that that big of a risk. But it's still uh it's still crazy to say we're gonna drive the same culture we drive in Maine and North Carolina, you know, and think through having the right people in place and processes and making sure that you get enough face time there and get them bought into what we're doing um, from an extreme ownership perspective, you know, and it's going to take time to make all that happen. Yeah. One thing that is beautiful about the culture and them, you know, them, this isn't us having to impose a new culture. This isn't us having to say, hey, here's what you think is important and here's what we think is important. You need to think what like we think. Because what we're doing, it just resonates. It's in look, guess what they do for a living? They sew stuff. They make stuff. They want to make stuff in America just like we're not trying to sell them something else. They're already on board. And so it's more like a unification. Yeah. And it's an opportunity for them to have, you know, to do more and better and bigger and the people that are there right now to have more opportunities and more job stability and, and earn more and make more and do more. Like that's what, you don't have to convince somebody. You don't have to convince somebody of that. You know what the best part is? The place wasn't for sale. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't for sale. Yep. You know, but being able to connect with the current ownership who's, been running it since 1974 and they're you know later in life flying them up to Maine showing them what we're doing telling them we want to bring this to North Carolina we want to re-inject the soul back into this community and back into this company and back into the people and in them and him knowing that he doesn't have the energy for it anymore he just doesn't have the capacity he has the passion for it but he doesn't he can't physically do it and seeing that there's another generation who's going to carry on what he's built i mean brought tears to his eyes mm-hmm. so it was a it was an opportunity that we just can't pass up on mm-hmm. and i think it's going to be good man looking forward to it anything else nah echo charles you got any questions What's your cognitive scenario, particularly? Like, what oh, are you having COVID? trouble with? What are you with? losing? Yeah, yeah. like words memory up? or just... Gathering words up. Oh, for real? Yeah. Dang. I've always been very, like, sharp. I can put, I can piece words together, mm-hmm. you know, and I can flow them off the tongue. Mm-hmm. But uh, sometimes I get caught up and I never get caught up, you know. And someone says, oh, isn't that just age? You're 42 now. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. Yeah. When I'm when I drink this stuff, <laughs> when I'm drinking the go, you're on fire. Oh yeah, Little it flows. It, it flows. Yeah, yeah. Mm. but uh, no, other than that, I don't have any. I don't have any lag in anything. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, probably a good place to stop. And, and I mean, just uh, the 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 thing that you just said that right there that kind of hit that I think is the unifying thing is what we're doing is about the people. It's about the people. It's bigger than, it's infinitely bigger than just us, obviously. It's a, it's a movement that resonates with people the way people think. It already is there. 
You know what I'm saying? That's what's trying to say like about the culture. It's already there. And it's not just in North Carolina. The people that this resonates with people, with people. It just resonates. They understand what it is we're trying to do. They understand that what we all are doing, including you that's listening, it's like what we all are doing is the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do is to rebuild America, is to is to take care of our communities, is to take care of our families, take care of our friends, take care of our country. And to put and the way that you do that is you take care of people. And you put people above profit. There's so many decisions that got made. And at some point, when we document this whole thing and we go back and we pick apart decisions that got made by corporations in this country where they decided to save 4% on the production of a pair of jeans or 6% on the production of a pair of boots and they took and they ripped those, the, ripped those capabilities out of this country for 4%, for 6% and destroyed communities to make that money when we tell that story, I think people already know that, and I think that's why this resonates with people. They understand that what we're doing is the right thing to do. Putting people above profit. And by the way, that is not, that is a strategic win. The short-term win is, oh, we can make, we can save 4% if we ship everything overseas and we get it shipped overseas, or we get it made overseas. That's a tactical win. Yeah, hey, we, we made more money this quarter. We made more money this year. But what they did in the meantime is destroy communities and, and take away the, the freaking thing that makes America, America. And that is the pride in what we do in this country. So I think everybody knows that we're doing the right thing. I think that's why so many people are supporting what we're doing. That's why so many people are with us. Like I don't feel, I feel like it's not just us. It's, it's everyone. When I meet people, when we, you, you mentioned the other day, someone was telling you that at the muster, there's, everyone's wearing origin jeans. Hell yeah, they are. Yeah, that's what's happening. And, and when we make stuff and they know where it comes from and they know that it's connected to other people, this, that's why I think this is just a, a, a train that's just leaving the station and it's picking up speed and it's gonna roll. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's where I think we're at, Echo Charles. All right, so Echo, yes. uh, how do we get on board this train? This train, uh, well, <laughs> you got to do the right thing. You know, speaking of doing the right thing, so we'll talk about. Okay, you mentioned discipline. Go right, helping you with your yeah. You know your your brain. That's Jocko. Go, yeah, yeah. That's brain fuel. Brain fuel. That's the morning brew right there. So that's essentially doing the right thing in a, on a, in a smaller, kind of more specific way where, you know, we need our energy drinks. Some people drink coffee and I dig it. Mm-hmm. But some people, they drink energy drinks. But you know you're not doing the right thing a lot of the time when you're drinking like a normal energy drink. You mean a sugary snack that Filled makes you feel like shit? Yeah, later. Yeah, I yeah. never drank energy drinks. Oh, for all I did. I, I've had a sip of uh, a familiar, popular drink once. Yeah. Never drank energy drinks. When I heard about kids dying from uh, those, you know, drinks, I was like, hell no. Yeah. Never let my kids either. Now I let let them. Of course. Because it's good for you. That's the test. That's the Do you let your kids drink it? I do. Yep. Yep. I do too. Yeah. So. In fact, my kids kind of get nuts with it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not only that, I'll I'll say, I don't know, speaking of, uh, of profit before people 
And um, I, I don't know how much profit we're losing because of my kids and their <laughs> friends. Yeah. Oh, trust me. It's freaking nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These kids are rocking. Yeah, yeah. They, they. I didn't, I didn't realize it was gonna be so popular with, with kids. Yeah. You know, teenagers, athletes, all that stuff. It's, it's been awesome. Yeah, it's the new. It's essentially the new. Uh, what paradigm is that the right word? Paradigm uh, shift. I shouldn't yeah. ask yeah. you anymore. Um, because well, you don't want to catch his vocabulary. No, 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 his brain is in a not, lull. You know, oh, wait, wait, but but it's in like this the group, new, my brain's working just fine. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, the new era? I'm like Einstein the new era. in this group. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. But yeah, so it's a new era of energy drinks. We don't have to worry about that kind of stuff anymore. We don't yeah. have to worry about our kids dying anymore. Actually, it'll you drink two of those, you're more healthy, technically. Yeah. yeah. See what I'm saying? Stuff. Electrolytes, yeah. everything. Boom. Just in there. In there. So yeah, that's one of the things you can do, man. Get on the on the, get on that the cool thing. Too. The cool oh, thing yeah. is you're doing a like you're doing something good for yourself and you're helping out the world. <laughs> the world. <laughs> well, it's doing it's the right thing. Tactical yeah. and strategic. It's true. Hundred percent across the board. Also, speaking of doing the right thing, do the right thing for your joint. So, jo- you know, joint. Mm-hmm. Uh, how should I say maintenance? It's not as sexy. It's like an energy drink, or even milk, or something like this. Or, you want to know what's not sexy? Limping around because oh, yeah. you got like, hurt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not. It's true. It's true. But it's so, like you know one of those things. You know, but we got to pay attention. Do the right thing. Yeah. So you get the joint more for the super krill oil. Keep your joints in the game. And see, this you just said sub- subscription. You know, you kind of like we're starting to go down that path. But this is the one, in my opinion, this is where you subscribe because you don't want to get caught short without what you need yeah and it's not like you're waking up in the morning craving some krill oil or something like this like you might be like hey i'm kind of craving the discipline go you you can find yourself in that kind of situation but the joint warfare you don't crave that Mm. but you need that unless you don't take it then you crave it i yeah (laughs) use it religiously i I was with leif leif and i were down at the muster and so we do these we we do workouts at the muster you know Mm -hmm. and they're burpees and you know and they're you're they're just a little bit different, right? Yeah. And uh, so, we, and we do them. So we show up for the muster before the muster actually starts, and we do the PTs to kind of test them out, make sure they're good to go. How we're gonna do them? Where we're gonna do them? <laughs> like, and you know, so we did a bunch of burpees and jump squats or whatever one day, and something like that. And Leif and I, we have like a room that's connected, you know, because mm-hmm. we're working, and. Like whatever day two of us being down there, he's like, bro. <laughs> yeah. He texts me about that he goes, too. He goes, hey, you got joint warfare and grill oil. I was like, bro, this is not amateur hour. <laughs> what, what's, what's up? And he goes, I didn't break. He goes, I, I, because he has a go bag, right? Yeah, yeah. And he travels with it, but you got to reload your go bag. Failure to reload. <sighs> and I was like, hey, man, I, I got bad news for you. I got some. For myself, I didn't bring <laughs> enough for Extra. other people. Oh no! Because that's how I do my loadout. My loadout. Did is, we overnight him some? I don't know what he did. He might have gone to the vitamin shop. Yeah, yeah I don't know what he did. Me, I couldn't help him. Yeah, it was nope. uh, it was rough. But that's the kind of situation you don't want to be in. No, right? You don't. So let's not let that happen because he's in that's there again, limping around, holding his back and yep. what. <laughs> That yeah, oh, it, it, it'll, it makes you a believer, though. Oh, if you don't percent. take it, you all of a sudden, oh, yeah. you know, that you was a apart. classic. Leif was like, bro. <laughs> That's our top, That's you know, our, our whole company. You combine everything together, apparel, footwear, geese, supplements, everything. Joint Warfare is our number one selling item. Really? Every day. Yep. We, like, America's addicted to Joint Warfare. 
it's freaking good. It's, it's so good, good to for go. you. So good for you. All, All right, right. So what else? What else? Echo Charles. Uh, speaking of good for you, immunity. This vitamin okay. D three. Can we talk luck here for a second? Sure. Okay. Uh, rewind pre COVID. Be little. Like, hey Jocko, what do you think about vitamin D? I take it every day. Oh, do you want to make some? I was like, yeah, let's do it. This is pre COVID. Let's do it. Okay. Hey, while we're doing that, let's make immunity because I travel and I get on planes and I shake hands with a bunch of people mm-hmm. and you know you, they're passing you the freaking all kinds of germs and whatnot. Let's make an immunity thing. Cool. Okay, so we make two things, Cold War and vitamin D. Pre-COVID. Yeah. Pre-COVID. Good timing. God, Good that was timing. epic. <laughs> that was epic, man. Mm-hmm. Again, this is, this is you know, just luck, grace of God, uh, God's a frog man, whatever you want to say. That is just perfect. Yeah. And so... We, and we bought a decent amount of it. We, we stocked up on a decent amount of it. And then as soon as COVID hit, people are literally telling people to take exactly what like vitamin did. D and the uh, half the ingredients that are in, in uh, Cold War. Yep. So that was awesome. And mm-hmm. again, luck, timing, grace of God, a you know, little think, bit of everything will take it. I think you when you're moving in the right direction, without compromise and you're in tune when you're in tune then you know shit just happens i feel like we're in tune with not just our customers but we're in tune with what america needs you know what's weird i was talking to main Thai today and i was saying sometimes i make myself nervous right because i like i'm very particular in what i like and there certainly is no guarantee that anyone else in the world is going to like what i like mm-hmm. And, and this podcast is a great example. There's been many times where I've been creating or reading or preparing a podcast, and I'm thinking to myself, this is pretty much gonna be for an audience of one. Echo Charles is gonna be the only person that is gonna have to suffer through what I'm doing right now. That's what's gonna happen. And, and, and I'm wrong, because there are other people that think the exact same way. And, and that's what I said about, like the, about the Discipline Go Drink. He says, he says, isn't it, isn't it weird? He said, I heard you talking about why didn't anybody else make this? And I think for me, I think it's crazy to me that no one would make an energy drink that's good for you, that's not sweetened with sugar, that doesn't have any, that's pasteurized. It's crazy to me to think that no one would. And sometimes when I think of these things, I think I might be thinking for an audience of one. Like, oh, if I could have that, I would do it. Right. And so, but, but. Then you test, you know, you you put it together and you put it out there and you realize this is the most, this is the best thing about all this stuff. Everything that we're doing. The best thing about it is you realize we're not alone. I'm not alone. You're not alone. We're not alone. There's a bunch of people on the path that want to be better, that want to help America, that want to take vitamin D3, that want coal. Like there's a bunch of people that want a stronger immune system. This shouldn't seem like a shock, yeah. right? There's a bunch of people that want genes that are made in America. Iconic American genes that aren't even made in America? What, what is that? Stop. <laughs> and so it's very nice sometimes for me to realize at certain moments that, there's, that we're in this together. Yeah. It's true, bro. Speaking of being in this together, Mulk. We're on the, on the milk train together. Yeah. So that's the good one, right? Extra yeah. protein. Additional protein in the form of dessert. You did a good mm. job with that one, guys. 
Real good the job milk. with the taste. The yeah. milk. Yeah, got to get some of that milk. Providing all those milkshakes at camp this week. They oh, loved yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Vitamin Shop, Wawa, JockoFuel.com. If you subscribe to it, shipping's free. That's Look, look. are we competing against some heavies? You know, are we 135 pounds in the open bracket going in <laughs> against the heavies? Yeah, yeah. we are. Yeah. And yeah, we got, are. they got some advantages. They got some advantages. And so we gotta figure out how we're gonna counter some of those advantages. One of the things that some of these big players, including the biggest players in the game, can do is they can ship stuff for free because they're absorbing costs, they're making money on the other areas, and so they figure out how to ship stuff for free. And so you and I had this conversation. You're like, bro, we gotta, we gotta figure this out. And I'm like, hey man, this is America. Like, people don't wanna pay for shipping, and you're like, brainstorming, I heard freaking spark plugs going off in your noggin. <laughs> <laughs> a week later, you're like, bro, if we can get people, if people like subscribe. Like a engine. <laughs> I was thinking more Hell like yeah. a two-horse. <laughs> I was thinking for a lawnmower engine. <laughs> but hey, what, you know what? It produced. Because like two weeks later, you're like, listen, we, I ran the numbers. If people subscribe, we can ship for free. We can ship for free. And that's how we can do it. And like, awesome. So if you are out there and you want us to ship for free, which we want to do, subscribe to one of these things and everything's, all the shipping's for free. That allow that gives us the advantage, an actual advantage in the open match against the heavyweight monsters that are out there that want to smash us, by the way. Mm. They want nothing more than to smash. Oh yeah, when you start eating people's market share, they, oh, they're not they happy like about it. that. They don't like it. So there you go, what else? What else we got up? Well, this may seem surprising, but a company called Origin USA. Good company. I hear good it's pretty, things. It's pretty you know? good. Yeah. So, like you said, hey, if you're going to get iconic American stuff, but you get it with either materials from overseas or they're made overseas, it kind of defeats the purpose a little bit. We can't even call that iconic anymore. You and can't. we definitely can't call it American. <laughs> yeah. It's very hard. It's very hard. Yeah. But... When you're making stuff that's made with literally the seeds of the cotton that's grown all done in America. That's right. All the way to the... I love the way you say cotton. Bro, that's how? That's how it's said? Yeah, there's two T's, there's two T's in cotton, cotton, by the way. It's not, it's not ah, cotton. I guess, I guess it's not zero T's. Cotton. You see cotton. what I'm saying? I guess you're right. I guess cotton. Yeah, I feel like you guys are right about me being right in this case. I talked a lot about things that are right and wrong. That thing is not right, the way you say cotton. <laughs> The cotton is grown here in America. <laughs> and the jeans, whoop, come out on the other side. Iconic American. Delta yeah. 68 jeans finally got some. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Pete. Nonetheless, got <laughs> some. So, so, yes, Origin USA, you like that kind of stuff? This is where you can get that kind of stuff. Yeah. Not to mention jujitsu stuff. That's what you guys started at, yeah. right? Jujitsu stuff. Best geese in America. You, the people at the Best geese in the world, sorry. Bruh, factually. Best geese in the world. Yeah. Thousand factually. percent. Oh, yeah. But people, everyone, even you today, yes, you come say, bro, this is something about this ski. Oh, it was, bro. What it is, is this? What is this stuff? It's special. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Special. It's a beautiful thing. We, yeah, we found the last living unicorn herd and we skinned them. And we made geese. <laughs> bro, I was looking for an I People would be like, they killed the unicorns. Bro, bro, <laughs> I, I have, bro, I have this couch at my house and I forget what the material is, but it's like this gray kind of... Um, velvet. Uh, no, it's not velvet. I don't know what it is. It might just be leather, mm. but... But it's like gray. Suede. It's gray, and it's kind of a big couch, right? And so it's a brontosaurus. <laughs> so my son was over with his girlfriend, and they were in my girl. My son's girlfriend's like really nice, super sweet girl, very nice. 
and you know we're we're sitting on the couch we're watching UFC or something like this and you know all of a sudden she's like saying the couch is comfortable or my son's like oh this couch is so awesome because it's a relatively new couch <laughs> so she goes yeah this couch is so nice she goes what's it made of and I go oh it's baby whale skin <laughs> <laughs> and she, she got horrible. the most horrified look on her face bro it was I had to like immediately say no I'm kidding because she was about to cry <laughs> but yeah baby whale skin oh, <laughs> she was like my. yeah so there you go and, and, and it kind of like looks like it could oh, be right, yeah, a baby yeah. whale, yeah. baby whale skin. It could be. So she oh, bought in hook, line, and sinker, <laughs> right on. Check. But yeah, the geese unicorn skin, like so the skin. It kind of seems like that could be the case. That's yeah. how like luxurious it is. It's luxurious. You kind of can't go back. I was looking for an electric blanket. You don't remember last year here? Yeah. It got kind of cold. So <laughs> <laughs> Just bear bear with me on this one. Hawaiian. So bear I'm looking me. for my big electric blanket, and I and I end up pulling out this bin, like oh, it could be in there, and it's like my old geese. And bro, I touched the old. I'm not gonna say the brand. Yeah, we don't gotta do that. But I touched that gee, and I was like, bro, I, I could never put that thing on yeah, anymore. It's like sleeping with sandpaper. Mm. Yeah. It's like comparatively speaking, yeah. Once you go, you can't. You kind of can't go yeah. back, you know. Origin if you want to get some of this stuff. It's true. Good stuff on that one. Also, Jocko Store. Jocko is a store mm. called Jocko Store. That's where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, hats that say "Discipline Equals Freedom." Jocko Podcast. You can see Pete wearing Jocko Podcast shirts from I, time to time. You, you like look those? I wear a lot. I wear those shirts a lot. Yeah, yeah. I wear that good green shirts. get after it one a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. Some good stuff on there. We've also got a subscription situation too. Free shipping as well. Look you at get that. a cool new shirt like this one. A little Check. bit different designs. A little bit more creative. Got the next one is an homage to the Sea Wolves. Oh damn! If you like the Sea Wolves, some of us do. Scramble Sea Wolves. Yeah, yeah. It's freaking so, yeah. outstanding. It's all See, on that, Jocko's store. That's what I like. I like. Let's move in that direction of of the shirts on the shirt locker mm-hmm. representing that aspect. Yeah, I like of that idea the podcast. for sure. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, store.com If you like something, hey. Get something. Uh, subscribe to this podcast wherever you su- listen to podcasts. Leave a review if you want. Leave I, a review. I, I yeah, I said that in a while. Leave a review, but no, want. leave a review. It's cool because a we get to read them. You can yeah. give us some input. B if you read, I haven't done this in a long time. But if you write a really funny one, we'll yeah. I'll read it on yeah. here. Whatever. Yeah. Um, whatever. Also, don't forget Jocko Unraveling podcast with myself and DC Daryl Cooper, Grounded podcast. Warrior Kid podcast for the Warrior Kids out there. We also have the Jocko Underground. Look, we don't control this platform. We don't. Whatever platform yeah. you're listening on, we don't control it. Unless you're listening on the Underground, JockoUnderground.com. That we control. Mm-hmm. So we set up, just to, just to make sure that things don't go awry, we set up our own little platform, JockoUnderground.com. You are helping us fund that. Uh, by by subscribing to it, it costs eight dollars and eighteen cents a month. That's how you help us build that platform and maintain that platform. And we will be there in the event of an emergency, in case of a real bubonic black plague, or in case of censorship, or in case of free shadow banning, shadow banning, all yeah. the stuff that's out there. If you can't afford it, it's cool. We want you in the game. We're not trying to like exclude anybody. If you can't afford it, no factor. Email assistance at jockounderground.com and uh, we'll get that taken care of. We have a YouTube channel. It's true. Uh, it's called the Jocko Podcast Channel. Echo, Verified, by the way. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, it's verified. Is that a thing? That's now? how you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, the same deal. Check yeah, mark. Yeah, oh, you like that? Feel pretty good about that one. I feel good. That, Are you, you verified? Know, I I feel good. Oh, what? What do you mean? Like on, on Instagram? No, no, no. You're not. No, I'm not. I don't. You got to work on that. Are you? There's only well, how do you one work on that? I'm not verified. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. I only have no. Like that's for like famous people, or whatever. Followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. No, but it's not about <laughs> the number popular. of followers. It's not about the number of followers. It's just like if you're like a, a what do you call it? like a public figure like Jocko. Uh, oh, like you are. You're no, a no, 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 like you, bro. Cele- like a celebrity. See what I'm saying? No, no, no. I'm not, bro. I'm not. We're feeling I'm so funny. Feeling funny a little, a little blue check mark. Nonetheless, yeah, it, it, it is kind of like a phenomenon, though. All right, let's know, get like this back you, on track. You get the blue check mark, uh, like Jocko has yeah, twi- yeah. on Twitter too, by the way. Yeah. And it's kind of like they oh, take you yeah, more seriously. Like a badge. Of yeah, like a, yeah, like badge of part honor. Part of the glitterati. Bing. Whatever. Do I sense jealousy from no, 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 people no, over here? No, no, no. Remember when you uh, <laughs> no when Jocko you, Fuel? We got verified. That's legit. I gotta, I gotta work on Origin. We haven't, we haven't tried yet. Maybe call it Jocko Origin. It'll get verified. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna change my Instagram to Jocko's friend Pete. <laughs> Jocko's friend Pete. Oh, verified. Man, man. Hey, you know what else is cool is if you want to follow like a lot of this stuff that we're talking about. Also, Origin USA. The, the YouTube channel. That's another uh, another awesome thing to check out. Yeah. You do uh, main tie and the team puts together uh, like a once, yeah, it's once a week. Yeah. Generally. It's bi-weekly now. Okay. See, that's just it's like a totally yeah. total inside look at what we're What's doing. What's going on. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, main tie showed up at Origin saying, can I work here? And you said, what skills do you have? And he was like, mm. and you said, can you sweep floors? He said, yep. And now he's running media. Yep. Media, manager. media manager. So check out what Main Tide, self taught. He does some good work. Doing good Respect work. Him. Even approved by Echo Charles over yes, there. Uh, so subscribe to those things. We've got Psychological Warfare. I made an album. It's got tracks on it. I'm going to tell you in your moments of weakness not mm-hmm. to be weak and some, some pragmatic reasons why that's not going to be a good call. What if, like, you're about to like pound like half a container of baklava. Like is that <laughs> oh, like I don't have know, one for that. Because yeah, there's yeah, a lot kinda, of positive reinforcement there. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like kinda like it's kinda it's weird. It's hard. Uh flipsidecanvas.com. My brother Dakota Meyer making cool stuff to hang on your wall. We got a bunch of books. I, I got a new book coming out called Final Spin. Available for pre order right now. And in fact, the yeah, I just got done recording the audio. There's I I read the audio. I was gonna have actors and actresses do the audio, but then when you see the book and you read the book, you'll be like, it doesn't fit, because the book is just sparse and raw and bare and, and confrontational almost in its approach. Mm. And so having a bunch of actors and actresses wasn't like that, so I just read the whole thing myself. So final spin, pre-order that. I had a bunch of pe- I've had a bunch of people at camp that preemptively apologize to me when they give me a book to sign because it's second edition, third edition, whatever. They feel bad. Look, I don't want you to feel that bad about it, but let's face it, we both know that you hesitated at the moment of truth. So get that first edition, final spin, leadership strategy and tactics field manual, the code, the evaluation, the protocol, discipline equals freedom field manual, way the warrior kid one, two, three, and four, Mikey and the Dragons, about face by Hackworth, been signing that one lately, which is cool. Extreme ownership and the dichotomy of leadership that I wrote with my brother, Leif Babin. Echelon Front, speaking of Leif Babin, we have a leadership consultancy. We solve problems through leadership. Go to echelonfront.com. If you want help inside your organization with leadership, that's also where you can find the details for our live events. 
including the muster, including field training exercises, including EF Battlefield. Next muster is Las Vegas. It's in it's out it's not on the strip of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. It's at a place called the Red Rock Hotel. Mm-hmm. And so it's not it's not one of those situations where you go and it's oh we're just going to party. It's not like that. It's separate. So it's like a 20 maybe a 30 minute drive. So most of you don't want to come out and party anyways, but if you want to bring like your company out there and you're thinking I don't want to have the issues of bringing everyone out there, it's not like that. Mm. So that's what we're doing. The next one, that's the next muster. It's in Las Vegas, October 28th and 29th. Also have online training, Extreme Ownership Academy. What's cool is seeing oh, people from Origin doing that. Everybody, everybody from awesome. Origin is doing it. That's really a lot of our success and alignment with our, our management team. Middle management and upper management is getting on there. My wife is a savage about it. Like if you miss a training, like, some serious shit better have happened in your life. <laughs> like straight up. Why weren't you on the training? She's she's you know, and really I've, aggressive. I've talked through Amanda. I talked to Amanda through a few situations, you know, like over the years of oh, hey, yeah. this is what's going on. She's like, Hey, can you can you give me a call and talk to me about this? And, and I think what she realizes is all that information that I've given her personally is also available to everybody on your team and yeah. everybody who ever wants to sign in. And what a incredible way. The thing about leadership is it's really easy to get distracted and go to your your primordial instincts of how you, you think you should act. And, and that's wrong. Mm-hmm. In many cases, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. So getting that leadership primer every, you know, every couple times, three times a week, four times a week, checking in, seeing what's going on, and getting that in your brain, it's so freaking good for you. So that's why that's an awesome resource. your wife is in the game. Um, go to extremeownership.com. And if you want to help service members active, retired, their families, gold star families, if you want to donate or get involved in a charity organization called americasmightywarriors.org. It's run by Mark Lee's mom, Mama Lee. She's making things happen. She has a huge impact. So check out americasmightywarriors.org if you want to get involved or if you want to donate. And if you want more of my lagging lyrical lopes Very or you need more of well you need more of echoes <laughs> chatter then well you can find us on the interwebs on twitter on the gram on facebook echoes at echo charles i am at jocko Willink. pete unverified <laughs> dang bro. is at pete m <laughs> roberts I gotta change that. I'm just gonna change it to Pete Origin. Mm. I, you think I should do that? I don't know. I think you should just use Origin USA. I do. Oh no, I do. It's my primary. Yeah. So I think the other one. I don't know. What is? But the it, it's gonna grow like. Well, my personal one. I I do more personal stuff. And then Origin and is kind of. Like, oh, so should we even say it right now? The personal one. Pete. If it's personal stuff. Pete dot m dot Roberts. No, I mean it's when I say personal stuff, I like post like. Training stuff, like yeah, doing yeah. jujitsu yeah, stuff. But isn't so. that Origin USA? It is, but Origin USA is going to grow well beyond me. Uh, so it's you got a little, you got a little back. Yeah. got it. Uh, you have Twitter Origin BJJ. Yes. Are you in Twitter? Are you in the Twitter game anymore? I mean, I get on like once a month. So not really, not really. But okay. I mean, I get on there because I get a bunch of build up of messages and stuff. So. Jockofuel. dot com. Yeah, and we're working on a new website for Jockofuel. Origin, OriginUSA.com. Yes, sir. So that's where we're at. 
Did I miss anything? For for how to find us? Nah. Oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, and at this point, anyone that's still listening, it definitely knows where we're at. So <laughs> we're just talking to like it's talking about an audience of one. There's yeah. one person <laughs> that's working a forty eight hour shift in exactly. Alaska right now that's like, Man, I hope they keep talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got nothing else to do. So th- <laughs> those thanks. But uh if you are still here and everybody that is here, man, thanks to all of you. Thanks for supporting the cause. Thanks for supporting Origin and Jocko Fuel. And by doing that, thank you for supporting America. And look, everything that we're talking about, every single thing that we're talking about, what we're doing right now, from the 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 podcast that we're doing to the gear that we're making to the fuel that we're supplying to the world, zero of this is possible without what you're doing, without your support. And we are all in this together. So thank you and let's freaking go. And to all our military right there, out there, out there right now, we are recording this in August 2021. Afghanistan is in a downward spiral. And I do not know what you all are going to be called to do, but. I wish you good luck, Godspeed, and I know you will not fail your comrades in arms, and I know you will not fail our country. So thank you for your service, and thank you for putting yourselves in harm's way to protect the freedom that we enjoy and love here. So thank you. And to our police and law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, Border Patrol, Secret Service, and all first responders, thank you for protecting us and keeping us safe here on the home front. And to anybody else out there, this is what we're doing. It's not just our dream. This is the American dream. That's what it is. To create, to build, to work together, to help and support each other. That's what we're doing. To chase and grind and risk and work and execute and to turn this dream, our dream, your dream, into a reality. And to quote Lenny, I can make that work. And we all can do the same thing. We can make this work. And until next time, this is Pete. And Echo and Jocko, out.